everybody, and welcome to episode 349 of Video Game Apocalypse, the first episode of a new decade, 2020. I am your host, Michael Raparez, hopefully not too rusty after two weeks of not doing this. Who else is joining me here in the mystical, magical <laughs> studio of the airwaves? Chris Antista, 359, 49. <laughs> uh, my bad, I messed that up. I'm a little drinkled. You guys, you guys always call me drunk. This time, it's real. <laughs> PlayStation logo designer Matthew Allen and special guest. Wait, is it 2020? Wait, my game doesn't load. It's TL Foster. Ooh, <laughs> I don't get that Sorry. reference. Sorry. Uh, in, on January one, 2020, WWE 2K20 oh. was no longer playable. <laughs> was not playable. Uh, what a great oh. game that is! What a t- terrific game. By yeah. by the five folks at 2K. Yeah. Would the, you quit they, it? Like they they inherited a brand new game. There's a lot of quirks they didn't understand or perceive. They they did not inherit yeah. a brand new game. They inherited a very a game they've been doing a long time. But yeah, I get you. Right, I get you. But the idea is new blood. And speaking of new blood, I got a terrible gift from my parents because like you do you do radio shows, don't you? I'm like yes. <laughs> uh, and and um look, I I, I will. How about um, America's Got Talent X's, but don't give them all at once because I want to use my new my new physical soundboard. I, I, dude, I got it all. Yeah, I can. I can do any. The podcast is reborn. Hell yeah! Twenty twenty, <laughs> we are now a re- uh, daytime drive drive time radio. Yeah, we are drive time morning radio. <laughs> Mad Dog Sweet. in the McCree. <laughs> Christ! <laughs> These all come preloaded, or can you load in new ones? Uh, no, no, there's no way to load in new ones. <laughs> this is clearly like fucking. If Spencer's Gifts was a truck stop, that's where my parents got this. <laughs> Did they get you one of those ones from the 80s that you would mount on your dashboard and pretend to laser blast people in front of you in cars? Oh, it's the worst. But a real Pac Man noise. Oh, sorry. Oh. Now we're going to get yeah. sued. Thanks for that, Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's our lawyer right now. That's how he sounds. Oh, I'm so happy. I wish this didn't work this well. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, stop! stop! You're, you're pretending like you don't have a phone that could pull up any number of yeah. soundboard apps at any moment. Yeah. I, I mean, can't this, make it stop! Did your parents buy you the sound the sound library to Hanna-Barbera cartoons? Like, good grief. Chris has had that forever. That I think do. he was born with it in his hand. <laughs> uh, it's 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 four, it's four gigabytes of only Hanna Barbera sound effects, and like <laughs> just like the animation, you can hear them give up on the first take. It's oh, funny. we're not we're not relitigating Hanna Barbera. That's what we're not doing. Oh boy, I'm touching a nerve, <laughs> Captain Jimmy Buffett and Hanna Barbera. Jesus, TL, like what the fuck am I supposed to depend on you? Be, be my fucking friend on. Uh, all we like is Dolomite is my name. Everything else, like, I feel like we should fight about. Four gigabytes of Hanna-Barbera audio is, like, way more than the actual amount of video memory used by that show, which was, mm-hmm. what, like, four frames a second, something like that? Okay. Okay. So video games. <laughs> Thank you. What did everybody play over the break? Fire Emblem Three Houses. Ooh, How finally. did you like that? I like it a lot. It's very good. It's a very good ah. game. I, I was getting hung up on all the school exploration sequences, and I was like, eh. There's a little bit of weirdness in that I'm pretty far in the game, and I'm, I'm trying to drive toward this ending, and there's some big epic shit happening, but it's like, I still got time to take someone on a tea party, huh? 
Sorry, it won't stop. <laughs> I, I, I had planned to do a bunch of gaming, and then I did almost no gaming until the last few days where I was staying with my folks. And I'm like, I brought the PS4 along. I should plug it in and play Death Stranding. And I managed to finish Death Stranding. Ooh, very nice. Yes. First of its kind, strange yeah. genre. Yeah, I, I am yeah. curious because after our Game of the Year stuff, is it still worth picking up Death Stranding? At Absolutely, yes. Buy it. No, but you, you seem to claim like uh, a big aspect of it was the social interactivity and the things mm-hmm. that people were doing, and that's obviously it can't be the same right now, right? But it's it, not, I think it's still very active. Right? Yeah, it, it is. But it's the yeah. thing is, it's like it's not. It'll it, never be more active than it is it, right. It, now. It's, but it's asynchronous not real, it's social interaction. Yeah. Like you don't have to. Like people don't have to be playing right now. So uh, yeah. it's it's just like you will find stuff that other people have built roughly where they built it in their worlds. So we have no idea how they have actually built the game in terms of like how long stuff stays on a server to pull from or not. And thank you, mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> but it yeah. So it like like Michael's saying, it kind of doesn't matter when people do stop playing that. Assuming that stuff remains on the servers, it'll feel just as active. The likes yeah. might might. Maybe. Like, I, I think I finished the game with something like 54,000 likes from other players. It's Hell like, yeah, that's dog. a lot of fucking likes. Hell yeah, dog. God damn. <laughs> that's that's like, more likes than I've ever gotten on Twitter. That's like one <laughs> Instagram personality post worth yeah. of likes right there. <laughs> or or one Donald Trump sucks. tweet. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I hate to say it, he gets a lot of likes on that shit. Yeah, he really does. It's nice yeah. to see him placate Nazis. It's, yeah. I've been kind of dipping my toe and stuff. I. I went and uh, started playing a game that we will talk about in new releases. I didn't get a chance to kind of get my, my hooks into that. Mm. And I've been playing Dragon Ball Fighters like competitively. That's all I've been doing is, is fighting Ooh. games. So. Hmm. Nice. And, and here's this is more for bonus time, but I, I spent the last psychiatrist appointment I was in c- telling my psychiatrist what VR unit he should get. And after like 45 minutes, like... Do I have to pay for this? <laughs> you shouldn't like, have to. Like, like come on, man. You. It's a consulting fee. Come on. Yeah, at least at least give me some Beat Saber DLC. Mm. <laughs> Which has one of the best songs of, I guess it's last year, as mm-hmm. a new new song DLC. What? Tassacorn to your Witcher, oh, Valley of Plenty. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, uh, it's in Beat Saber. Is it, is it weird that, like, so I saw people on Twitter talking about that song, and I listened to it, and I'm like... This song's kind of lame. I don't understand why people are into it. And then I saw the episode that it's in. And since I saw it in context, I haven't been able to get it out of my head. Before I did, it was nothing. <sighs> Just saying I'm going to have to sell that extra ticket I bought for you to the Blind Guardian show when they come into town. Sure. Okay, yeah. I, don't know I mean, it's, it's the same thing with, like, uh, it, it's the same thing with, like, uh, In the Heights. Like, I'm, I'm really jazzed for the In the Heights thing coming out. But, like, if you listen to the soundtrack... I don't understand how this is like Hamilton without the actual context of it like Hamilton. It's just like you need that context to fully immerse into the song. Well, great. Listen to this week's Laser Time to hear about uh, a lot of us going to Cats really high and drunk. God, I really want to go to Cats. I hear that's kind of a thing. I, that's I, that's mm-hmm. the way to tolerate I, it. I, I posit that that show will be my generation's Rocky Horror Picture. I hope not. I, and yeah, again, my, my only my only thing, like, I saw Cats when I was 14. I knew what I was expecting. So, like, my jaw dropped, but I saw this. People watch this for 30 years. It's terrible. It's always been terrible. Dude, Why they, adapt to terrible They patched thing? that movie. They had to patch one of the... They, they had forgot to the to, movie. They forgot to put pause on, is it Dame Judi Dench's Yes, hands? yes. You can still <laughs> see no, her, her there, are, there are people in, like, sta- like you'll, you'll think they're statues. 
but there are actually people who they forgot to put cats and outfits on. They're they standing in the background in T-poses. The, the most disturbing thing being like uh, like Idris Elba, because he's in like an outfit the whole time. Then he like whips off his clothes and like, so is fur the same color as his skin? Everyone else here is like white and orange. This is very strange. <laughs> oh, I can't. I can't wait and watch Sonic Boom the movie. I cannot wait. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. So, there's a... Yeah, there is a reason we're we're talking about personal preferences here. (laughs) Jesus fucking Christ. Um, So, we have been working for several weeks to assemble a list to reach a consensus on our games of the decade. And we wanted to do... 25 games of the decade split over several shows and uh so we went through some rounds of voting with the three of us me matt and chris and also a couple of erstwhile hosts and we came up with a list of 10 very solid indisputable games of the decade and we're like we we still have like 35 other games with two or more votes to sort through. So rather than try to do some sort of democratic thing where we all get together and argue over whatever, just said, look, each of us just pick five of your favorites to talk about, and we will do those. And this this should not be seen as any particular order. We will do nope. We will Definitive. do five. My my personal five tonight. These should not be seen necessarily as. Numbers 25 through 20. They could be 15 through 10 or whatever. Whatever they're just you on the list. They, yeah, they, they're they on didn't the make list. the top Somewhere 10, yeah. above 10. And, and they should also not be regarded as only Michael's picks because I happen to know yes. a couple of your choices would have made my top five. Yes, and, well. and I should say all of these are games that got at least two votes in, mm-hmm. in our voting process. So they're, they're, it's not just one person coming out and saying, well, I think Two Worlds 2 deserves yeah. to be on the Games of the Decade list. They're, they're kind of like, it's like we have a really long uh, honorable mention list, if yes, you will. Yes, sure. We have, we have 15 honorable mentions. We're going to be doing three weeks of honorable mentions because each each week we will have a host's different top five yeah we're beginning with mine i believe we're going to do yours next week matt and then we're going to finish up with chris's and then we're going to come back and we're going to do the top 10 indisputable boring ass unassailable our our top 10 is fucking unassailable yes did i not use that exact word with you tl i said our list is unassailable Okay, I'll give you that. Um, <laughs> Ironclad and indisputable, TL. <laughs> there's not. A, there, I, I, I. Are you hitting a hookah? What's happening? No, I'm not hitting a hookah. I'm just saying uh, it's okay. It, I, he I, does I, not I, think our list is as unassailable as we think it is. I think. I think it's a fine list. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for hyping it up. Really, really getting the listeners this. excited. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> okay, wait, wait, wait. Let me like. Guys, I don't know what would be a better top 10 game Boom. of the last day. There it is. There we go. Burr, 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 burr. Chris, you don't have a sound effect for that. Thanks. Oh Thanks. My God, you, hold on. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> Jesus. It's the bomb. It's the Piccolo Pete. Thought we left that sound in the 80s. Jesus. <laughs> oh. uh, all right. So 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 when we come back from the break, Michael, yes. we're going to be giving Michael's top 5 that are not the top 10, <laughs> they're not really the top 5. They're Michael's. So don't don't be like, what kind of game of the decade list you left out? <laughs> just just it's coming. It's coming. This is just the beginning. 
Okay. Yeah. Steal okay. yourselves. All right. <laughs> You're in for a top five. <laughs> of some sort. Not saying it's a good one, not a bad one. It's, it's just top good. five. I've seen it. These are very fine, good. Fine, fine. It's a, it's a good. It's good. Yeah, go ahead. It's reassure good. me some more. No, seriously. You have good taste. I need you have good I need taste. it. No, your it taste is, 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 it, you, it is It is a it is a really good list. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I it's a, it's I need a good list, so but we also might quit before we come back from break. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, we'll, we'll get into the top five right after this. This week on Laser Time, the Internet's seventh leading pop culture podcast, the gang is tackling a brand new topic. So this is where we decide what the best movies of 2019 were according to the people you've been listening to all year like middle of the road one that was like i kind of want to give a shout out to rocket man because i was expecting the same music biopic i've seen a million times i was expecting bohemian rhapsody part two you'll never record a song in a duck costume mountain it'll never happen (laughs) i'll show you i'll show all of britain Yeah, that's pretty much. Oh. <laughs> Here, I wrote your song. Your song, huh? Hmm. The yeah. yellow brick road will be around forever, and no one will immortalize <laughs> its disappearance. In- <laughs> <laughs> hey, look out for that chair. It's it's rocking. Don't rock it, man. <laughs> Crocodiles yeah. will always play jazz in this town forever. <laughs> <laughs> And I will never feel the love. Not tonight and not ever. <laughs> I want my Chinese food with no Alan Rice. <laughs> Benny will never be paired with the Jets. <laughs> Only submarines for Benny. <laughs> yeah. and, and honestly, Maybe. there were a, a couple of those moments here. And That's Laser Time, new every Monday on LaserTimePodcast.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back to talk about my games of the decade. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Mickle's Cubicle Tickle Fickle 5. That was good. I think we need a little more gravitas, and we're Mm -hmm. going to fix this in post. Ready? For Michael's Games Games of of the the decade. Decade. We'll throw some echo on there. It'll be yeah, I'll add some reverb. It'll be, It'll be great. Yeah, it'll be good. Yeah, all right, all right. So, yeah, let's jump in with... Number five. Further down river, we'll find a herd of machines, and I will teach you how to hunt. Are they dangerous? All machines are dangerous, Aloy. Their power must be respected. But I will be beside you. Horizon Zero Dawn! Yes. Who else played this? It was beautiful. Yeah, it was beautiful. Gorilla, the people who'd previously done Killzone games, came and did this just deeply affecting, beautiful open world game where you are like a a neo-prehistoric huntress in a land filled with robot dinosaurs. And there's all kinds of mystery. There's a lot of creativity allowed by the gameplay. Like as you make your way through the game, it gives you a bunch of different tools beyond like your starting bow and spear you can you have all kinds of traps that you can use to to trip up these giant creatures that you're supposed to hunt and yeah you can and, and crazy tracking techniques like uh the, yeah, the yeah. likes of which i hadn't ever really seen before in a game it, it it's a crazy combo of like your standard open world action adventure game with like a monster hunter because there mm-hmm. are there are hunts you go on especially there's like a couple epic creatures that you can hunt like like 
like the thunder jaws the thunder jaws yeah yeah that are just like they're basically like t-rexes bristling with lasers the one i was thinking of was more there's like a thunderbird type enemy the oh, flying yeah, one yeah, that like yeah. rains lightning upon uh-huh. you that thing's creepy it but makes you, horrible you, noises oh man no this this game did this kick off the post post-apocalyptic genre remember for a while there every game was like hey we are so post-apocalyptic everything is reborn <laughs> like that's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I, I didn't. I don't know that it kicked it off necessarily, but it's it's definitely a great exemplar of it. One of the the cool things about this game is that there are basically two, like, well, three stories. There's there's the one which is like, all right, what's going on with this future Stone Age society? Like, you you're figuring out like you're you're basically an outcast of a tiny isolationist tribe. And you're going out and discovering the world one settlement at a time. And you, you gradually learn like, okay, the, the people over here are like this. These people, you know, have sort of rudimentary technology. And these people over here uh, hate technology. And that that is kind of like the least interesting of the stories. But mm-hmm. you also have Aloy's Hero's Journey, which is kind of perfect in that it takes all these tropes of like the ancient hero's journey. Like the she, she gets her magic spear. She has an ability that puts her above other people. She meets an old man who shows her uh, a- another world beyond the mundane world that she inhabits. And uh, But it's it's all tied to technology mm-hmm. that maybe doesn't exist now, but you could see existing in the next 30 or 40 years. And that brings us to the third storyline, which to me is the most interesting, about finding out why the world is the way it is and why everybody has forgotten about what we now see as the modern world. There's a glitch in the chariot line. You're a king of robots? Peacekeepers, yes, those. So shut them down. (laughs) Obviously, Liz, we would if we could. They're not responding. Are you telling me a swarm has gone rogue, Ted? It's worse than that. Show me the data then. You're discovering a lot of things. You find like holotapes, recordings of probably like the the latter 21st century that just kind of show you like, okay, so this 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 is our world, quote unquote, that uh, something happened and figuring out exactly what mm-hmm. is uh, like what triggered the apocalypse. Why does nobody remember anything? Is, yeah. It's fascinating. And yeah, you, you kind of learn why people are sort of afraid of technology when they do. And, and mm-hmm. I mean, the most obvious reason is there's all these fucking killer robot dinosaurs that, yeah. <laughs> that are out yeah. there. And, and, and like pretty much all of like, except for like a few small things like foxes, you don't really hunt animals. You're hunting these robots that look like animals and they go around harvesting chlorophyll from plants. So what you're actually eating is uh, the, the canisters of chlorophyll that they collect. And and then the rest are like, oh, you can you can use them these other animal robot parts to make new tools and things like that. More like Borophil, am I right? Yeah. And uh, I did say magic spear. One of the things that makes her spear magic is she can use it to override the programming of various robots and make them friendly. Okay, here it goes. Come on, come on. It worked. It's not hostile. Seems almost tame. There we go. That a boy. That's more like it. Yeah! 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 Right! And I want to say also, this came out in an amazing year for open world games. It came out actually 
almost around the same time as Breath of the Wild, Zelda, and like the 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 climbing going from one game to the other, like so Horizon Zero Dawn has like Assassin's Creed style climbing, but you can only climb like where there are distinct yellow markings. Whereas like Zelda, you can just climb on anything and then you have a grip meter. And then I think Assassin's Creed Origins was that same year. And uh, it, it also had, like, it, it widened the scope of things that you could climb in Assassin's Creed. I remember going back and forth between games, and mm-hmm. <laughs> it was really disconcerting. Yes, when because going, they're, they're yeah. so similar, and yet yeah. there are all these little differences that will trip you up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the, the actual uh, traversal of the environments themselves, it's so... This game feels so good when you're moving. Mm-hmm. Like, there, you will, like, be running at full speed, and then you'll slide, and the slide goes way too long to be realistic but it yeah, feels yeah, yeah. so awesome and <laughs> and when you're like sliding like 20 yards and you, you pull your bow and then it slows down oh, and, and yeah. you throw an arrow into a monster uh-huh, and, and it's uh-huh. like a lightning arrow or whatever and yeah this this game had some really fun um just the crafting like it's one of those open world games similar to like the witcher where it's like you're gonna be gathering stuff uh-huh. constantly in, in the environment and then using that to craft like cool oh now i have my explosive arrows now i have my lightning arrows and shit and so yeah. It, it is the best thing Guerrilla Games has ever made. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I'm only bummed out about it, but uh, how like how stellar so like we would talk about this. You wouldn't be surprised to hear about this if it wasn't for Sony's better first party showing than most other companies. And the idea that like you, I got this for nine dollars two years ago with all the DLC. Wow. Yeah, I just and bought like, the. the- well, it's their version of Iceborne, their DLC, yeah. that snow thing for like $2 or something. Can you imagine if this is an, a Nintendo product? Like, this is such a high-quality game that no other game can come close to. You know what's it? Uh, you know, we're, we're talking about the games of the decade. I I think mm-hmm. it's worth pointing out, Sony this generation, remember they started a little slow, like in terms mm-hmm. of their first-party exclusives. Right. Like, their big thing was... Oh, what was it? Was it Project Cars? Was their racing? No, they they were they were the other racing game that was exclusive to them that ended up Drive Club. Drive Club. Drive Club. Yeah. Like they went a long time without any big exclusives, and then the second, the back half of this generation, they've just been firing on all cylinders. Yeah. But it's well, like they had they had exclusives. They were just kind of more under the radar. They were a little more like PS3 exclusives. Where they had like. Uh, Infamous Knack one and two, Knack or, or the Order eighteen eighty six. Yeah, yeah. No. Uh, what was Second Second City? Uh, uh, second uh, Sun. Second Sun. Yeah. In- infamous Inf- Second Sun. Infamous. Yeah, there we go. Mm-hmm. And First Light, both of which were great. Yeah, but th- this, I don't know if this kicked off that second half, but it it was yeah. it was a banger. Well, here I'll I'll say this. I went to E three one year, so for a few years, Sony would have this thing where they had set up like these three different theaters. Yeah. Where you could you you went into one and then you would see all three things one after the other with like a presentation. And I went in just so I could see Last Guardian. And I'm like, what the hell is this thing with the robot dinosaurs? This looks dumb. And that one was my favorite out of the three. I think I think it was like that and maybe maybe Uncharted Four and uh I think I think that sounds right. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm remembering the same year. And Last Guardian and like yeah, Last Guardian was the one I was actually least interested in because I had already seen more or less the stuff that they were was showing. Was that the year where Last Guardian had the interactive screen where you could walk up to the giant I believe so, yeah. Dog yeah, yeah. bird creature mm-hmm. and it would react walk to you. up to Trico. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but this game, man, it's um I think part of part of the problem was it came out so close to Breath of the Wild and it mm. was an open world game that it didn't 
when it first hit, like everyone regarded it and they were like, oh man, this is really good. But then Breath of the Wild just kind of took over the, this, the conversation. Um, but I feel like this game should have, should have, we should have talked about this way more than we did. Like it kind I mean, of seemed to come and go. We, we did at the time. It was on our games of the year list. Yeah. Uh, yeah we streamed the fuck out of it. And mm-hmm. like in Breath of the Wild is a game. I think it is superior because it's like actually open world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, this is a triple A version of that. Whereas come on, man, Breath of the Wild doesn't look that good. Most of the time it runs at a very poor frame rate. Yeah. Uh, this this constantly looks amazing. Well, this this is the engine that drove Death Stranding this year. Yes, it is. Although Death Stranding has a lot more falling down cliff sides. But, uh, <laughs> Depends on how you play this it's game. Part I of suppose. its charm, yeah. Although I, I also, you know, there, there are so many things in here that I thought worked so well, like the stealth using the, uh, the focus, which is like Aloy's little earpiece yeah. like that projects holograms everywhere like using that to track where robots are going to to move did you um route that through your controller speaker like I did or is there a way to not have it through your controller speaker I, there's always a way to not have it through your so controller I, speaker so i did that through my controller speaker and it scared me every single time and you bring that <laughs> thing up a lot in that game i think yeah, it's yeah, when you yeah. press the touchpad it, it pops up mm-hmm, but it's uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's fucking cuz there's no volume control on the controller speaker it's it's just either loud or not yeah. you know and I, I also want to, you know, throw some respect at uh, Ashley Birch's performance as Aloy. I thought she was great in this. Uh, you know, I, I kind of skipped over Borderlands 2 and Tiny Tina, so I still kind of thought of her as like, oh, it's that girl from Hey Ash, what you playing? But mm. uh, you know, to, to see her like voicing a serious role, I thought she was great. And uh, like the, I thought the supporting cast was really interesting. And there's like. I'm I'm blanking on his name, but that one guy with the mohawk who looks yeah. like he stepped out of Killzone. I'm, I'm blanking as well. And at first, I didn't think I was going to like that guy. He uh-huh. kind of came across as an asshole, uh-huh. and he has a really good character arc yeah. in that game where you end up really liking him. You, a you lot. really like him, but like as a friend, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> it's yeah. one of those weird things where it's like, oh man, you're such a great guy to have around. You're a great buddy, and he's like, oh, so uh, Aloy, you want to? Uh, and I'm like, oh no, you're really nice, but no, thank <laughs> it, it's like. <laughs> As a dude, it gave me the experience of being hit on like that. Like, oh, no, but thank yeah, you. We're good. But no, we're done here. <laughs> was this was this Ashley Birch's like really first like real big role though? Like, I, I know she did Tiny Tina. Mm-hmm. I know she did like kind of smaller, jokier things. But this is like her first. I think it was her first substantial, yeah, leading right? role. As far as I know, I'm not sure. But but it's mm. it's when she like really pinged my radar as an actress. Like, oh shit, she can she can carry a game. That's great. Yeah. Hmm. Which is great. Like like you said, it's been a it's been a wild ride for her for the last decade mm-hmm. too. Yeah. So Oh yeah. I think I think my first true exposure to her was well, she was amazing in Life is Strange. Like her oh, okay. her, her in Life is I mean, I'd I'd heard her before that and I I love Tiny Tina and stuff, but mm-hmm. I didn't that did I didn't even really make that connection that she was also Tiny Tina, but that's for me where she really set herself apart as like, hey, this is an amazing voice actress. So. Well, yeah, Horizon Zero Dawn, one of my favorite open world games, and you know me, I Glad fucking love open up. world games. One of our favorite, because I also uh, would have had this on my list had you not included it, mm-hmm. so thank you. for. I forgot it existed. How? <laughs> so good. It's so I beautiful. Mean, like, it, it, it is really and good. It went. Like, you can finish this game very quickly. I, not me. I, mm. I, this was one of those Red Dead Redemption type. Now, this is, to me, one of those I, I 100%ed this game. I, I At least 60 hours put into this thing. Yeah, like, same. In terms of hunting and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I no, it, spent a lot of time with it. I think I did pretty much everything I could do, except the the ice DLC. I, I for some reason, dropped off. Got to get back there. Yeah, got to get yeah, back yeah. there. 
I don't. It was it was between both this game and then uh, Legend of Zelda. Like when I finally got the appeal of open world games, because I, I've I've never gotten a collectathon thing, and I've I've always been like kind of bad at it. Like I've been very famously bad at Skyrim, mm-hmm. but this was like the first game where I realized like, oh, this is how you're supposed to play these kind of games. And I I just loved it. I loved the world. I loved the atmosphere. Yeah. Just how it looked. It was such a. It was. To me, it was such a, just a mind blowing experience. So I, I completely understand why it's definitely on this list. That's that's interesting that you do you equate open world games in general with collectathons. I mean, I I mean, kind of what like it, it. It's it's almost like it's well, it's not. It's it's a it's a mixture, right? Because you have the open world, but it's kind of it kind of gets you into that hook of like making you explore the world more is like collecting a lot of things. But it, it, yeah. to me, it was always like that was a barrier to me hmm. um and then like i said games like this and then breath of the wild kind of was like well no here's why you kind of do that and here's more like the cooler aspects like the smaller aspects of the world that you might not be able to see and it, and it just it, it it made me more engrossed and made me change my thinking on open world game hmm. i think i think maybe part of the reason is the stuff you collect in this game it's mostly lore about explaining about the history and how you got mm-hmm. like some of the coolest bits to me in that game were where you'd explore the old abandoned bunkers yeah 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 and you'd all you'd, you'd kind of it's mostly voice recordings of kind of what happened in the past and, mm-hmm. and so that's why it, yeah some some open world games you're just like i i went here and got a thing because there was an icon on my map whereas mm-hmm. with this game it always felt right. substantial to me when mm-hmm. i was getting i feel like with open world games like the collecting gives you an incentive to explore but for me the exploration is kind of its own reward it's like somebody says like oh go to this town and do this i'm like no i'm gonna fuck off over here and see what's under this rock yeah. i'm gonna do that for hours you can't stop me yep yeah that's yeah. and as one of the later entries on this list is going to illustrate that can yield some rewarding things if you're in playing the right game hell yeah but for now we should move on to number four <laughs> the popping. Can I admit that I have put I put 200 hours into this game last year on top of wow. my existing 100 and something hours before? Uh, this is Stardew Valley. May be my favorite game of this generation. Yeah, it's it's wow, it's it's right up there. I, I think this is one of two games that I have referred to in the last 10 years as an addiction. That it's like, oh no, I, no, they're adding more DLC. I just pulled the needle out of my arm. <laughs> Yeah, he keeps he can't stop working on this game. For someone who is an Animal Crossing fan, as mm. I am, this this game delivers the best of everything those games have to offer with and we heard those little those little bubbly sounds there, which is you get your Farmville a dopamine fix from 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 farming yeah, and harvesting. Ev- everything in this game is just a non-stop dopamine hit like uh for instance harvesting your crops, yeah. And, and I don't Combine think... the fun of pulling giant turnips out of the ground in Super Mario Brothers with the fun of popping bubble wrap, and you get the harvesting in Stardew Valley. I, I don't think it's an accident that he used a similar sound effect to what Farmville used. Like, they, they had done studies on that sound when, when you collected crops in Farmville. That little popping sound is huh. is a straight-up dopamine hit. It's it's, it's Pavlovian. Wow. But uh, it, it combined that with a series that I never really had gotten too much into, um, Harvest Moon. Mm-hmm. And this, this was... 
one of those things where I kind of read about it after I'd been playing so much Stardew is like, no, this harkens back to the Harvest, how Harvest Moon was yeah, like maybe in the 90s. It's, it's almost a clone of Harvest Moon on Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's obviously, it has a lot more going on. For example, I I didn't play, never played too much of the original Harvest Moon, but I am reasonably sure it didn't have a dungeon where you could go and kill a bunch of slimes with a sword. And mine things. Can we all agree that's what Michael is doing here? Uh-huh. I'm not jacking off into anything. Uh, <laughs> one of um, one of the, the best things about this game is, is has anyone read Blood, Sweat, and Pixels? Uh, yeah. J- uh, I'm familiar with it. Okay, I haven't read okay. it. The book from uh, yeah. the Kotaku, J- Jason, Jason Schreier. Uh, so, so the creator of this game, Eric Barone, he kind of he hadn't really made a game before or an entire game before. And so this was this labor of love that took years. And this, this was, I think one of the reasons to me, this is a very de- game that kind of is definitive of this decade is this game had a lot of community input in it. So mm-hmm. like, as he would come up with ideas for stuff he wanted to put in, he would go to like harvest moon message boards and get feedback from people. He was kind of focus testing this game as he worked on it, but it's a fascinating story. Like he, you know how how much time he took to work on it and the fact that like i think his at one point his partner was supporting him by working so that he could work on this game and to have it actually pay off like something that would financially ruin most people like this dude is set for life he doesn't need to do anything else at this point because this game sold so well and it's just like the fact that he was rewarded for all that hard work is great i know he didn't do everything in this game by himself but this is one of those games where it's like no he he touched everything in this game be it the music be it the graphics like he, he straight up like some of those portraits of the characters he did those like at home and right. and a lot of the stuff he had never done before and he was like learning how to do it as he created the game so hmm. no, it, it's it, and yeah. to me it paid off yeah he he created an, an incredibly addictive gameplay loop well, if you promise me he's a millionaire, then I can shit all over the game. <laughs> it, it, I, I can almost guarantee he's a multimillionaire. Yeah. It it is a uh, it is one of the the weirdest things of like a mobile game made paid. Yeah. So like it, it has every single earmark of every mobile game I've ever played, but uh, you're waiting for a reason, not just for horseshit to cool down. But I, I like the loop bothered me. Like I couldn't get past that. Like because it, it felt like every mobile game I'd ever played. Uh, but I, but it never asked me for more money ever, ever. Yeah, no. yeah the, the, you, by loop I think. Do you mean the day and night cycle that basically as no. of, as of two a.m. you no, fall asleep? No, 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 no. no. I'm talking about like like just the entire structure of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, like most mobile games I play are uh, build this area. Yeah, and and. I don't have a, like I hate that now, and it's not Sardu's fault because I was totally addicted. To this. I mm. really was because the, the story elements. There's, I'm sorry, I'm still congested. I feel like I can't even talk very well. But but the the story elements that make you want to keep playing, yeah. and you're never like, you're not you're not slowed down for bullshit reasons. You never are. I, I think but, that's what separates it from mobile games. Is it's I wouldn't even call it story because the story of this game is just like you've inherited a farm by your your dead grandfather. I think it yes. is. And you have two or three years to to clean up the farm, at which point his spirit will come years. and see how you did. Mm-hmm. But it's the other stuff. It's it's the, I think the, what sets this game apart from mobile games is the heart and the writing between like you and the townspeople. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much charm in that writing and, and like the little moments where you'll like 
uh, one that happens fairly early in the game is you, you're outside the bar and you'll stumble upon at night the homeless guy, or he's not even, he's like a hermit, the, the, the hermit that lives in the tent, mm-hmm. going through trash cans and like the bar owner comes out like, hey, who's, who's there? And then like, depending on what you say, like basically it's just kind of like, oh no, dude, you don't need to rummage through the cans here. You can have this, these leftovers and it's just like, it's just so like genuine and well-written and mm-hmm. it's, um, I think that's what kind of, that's when you talk about story, what I wanted to see the next interaction, you know, the next day, like how people yeah. would respond. But I, I do like that sometimes if you pass out, like that guy will be the one to bring you home, but he'll always be like, oh yeah, someone took some of the cash out of your wallet. Sorry. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, if not him, the evil corporation, which charges you like 10% yeah, of whatever Georgia. you have in your but, wallet. But that's, yeah. that's interesting. You can change your allegiance between like, are, do you, do you want to pour money into the community center or, or no pour effort into the community center, yeah. I think. And, uh, kind of bring it back or do you want to manipulate events so that Joja, the the soulless corporation you left working for in the city can can buy it out and by extension eventually buy out the whole town. And and they are the easy they are the dark side. They are the easy uh-huh. route. And yeah. I, I must confess so part of the reason I have so many hundreds of hours in this, I created profiles for my kids. And for one of their playthroughs, I went Joja I'd always gone community center, which you're right, Michael, mm-hmm. it's community center to to get upgrades in the town, you have to find collectibles which take a long time like yeah, a lot yeah, of them because yeah. it's on a it's on a, a four season cycle and some of the stuff doesn't appear until a different season but joe just straight up like fucking give me cash and that shit will be here tomorrow right mm-hmm. and it's so much easier to go joja i went with one of my with one of my kids profiles and i'm like oh this is way faster <laughs> <laughs> but i didn't feel as good i didn't restore the community because if you if you choose Joja, they make the community center a warehouse for Joja no, stuff. No. Yeah, it's so sad. It's uh, like breaking two. My purple haired goth GF. I was going so to make that reference, Matthew. Hell yeah, you were. <laughs> Probably inspired <laughs> by it. Oh, breaking dish more games should be inspired by breaking two electric bugle. Absolutely. Hmm. I feel uh, like that's the template on which 80s movies were built. Turbo uh, and Shabadoo. I'm about to say, more characters should be named Turbo. After me, <laughs> Turbo. That's what they should do. I'll be Shabadoo then, I guess. <laughs> Stardew Valley. Mm-hmm. Game of the decade. Sorry, I Number really one. should play that game. I keep... What? Here, Dude, it's only... The, never... oh, the other thing we haven't mentioned, I believe full price, the game's $15. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's on everything also now. Yeah. yeah. I, I know. It's just one of the things where it's like... So, I don't like Animal Crossing. I said it. And I don't know. Like, those, like, those kind of... Farming Sims, kind of like... Yo, hey, hey, TL, I'm with you. That's what I tried to bring up. It is a fucking mobile game with no fucking paywalls. And, and with all the same trappings, and it's it's needlessly addictive, but, like, I don't feel a sense of accomplishment when I'm done with this shit. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, I, I really should try it, because everyone loves it. Everyone who's touched it's like, this game fucking rules. Yes. And I, I just, I don't know. Mm. I'm gonna give it to you on, on Switch. I could, I could clear uh, f- fields of rocks and debris endlessly. It's yeah. it's so much fun. It's it seriously is, especially once you like, like unlock no! the upgrades for the watering cans and let you like water five spaces at once yeah, instead of yeah. going from plant to plant, watering each one individually. Dude, you no. you got to upgrade the axe first. All right, mm. listen, you get that gold axe. <laughs> it takes you way fewer. You guys are paying to do jobs you wouldn't do. Normally, is it video games though? No, <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> I'm a ninja. I, no one's gonna hire me to be a ninja. My gut is too big and my shirts are too stupid. <laughs> 
Yeah, but if if you're chopping wood, it lets you indulge in the satisfaction of chopping wood without actually having to go out and risk uh, injury or uh, soreness. Why did you put me in the position where I'm shitting on Stardew Valley? I don't like being I don't know. here either. How did I put you in that position? Because <laughs> it just sucks. I hate it. <laughs> I blame TL. Um, I mean, I haven't played it. This game's really good. It's a beautiful you should game. Play it. You should play it. Yeah. But anyway, if you guys hate it so much, then let's move on. What's your name, friend? Steed, Steed Bonnet. Well, Mr. Bonnet, let this stay twixt us. But I'm on a secret errand for His Majesty the King, God save him. And I must get to Havana with speed. Ah, oh, that is a relief, sir. Havana is also my destination. Our ways lie together. Natural allies, then. Ah, oh, you put me at ease, sir. To think I took you for a pirate when you first appeared. Did you? Diddy, indeed. This is that Pirates of the Caribbean MMO that never uh-huh. happened. Yep, yep, exactly. Uh, God, this game fucking rules so This game's well. so good. This yeah. is Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag. Black Flag! Black Flag. Oh, Black, Black Flag. They're mm-hmm. easy, buddy. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love this game so much. I, I feel like it does everything a really good Assassin's Creed should do. It recaptures the the Caribbean and rebuilds it as a as a sort of relatable really interesting place to explore that you can sail to within yeah, like a yeah. couple and minutes that, each, that's each the other island. thing like <laughs> it was a huge deal that it brought in the ship exploration and gameplay which had been introduced yeah. in Assassin's Creed 3 right. but then it put it into the open world and so it's like you can be an assassin on land, or you can be a mighty pirate on the waves and just you get your own ship with your own crew and it's covered in cannons. And you can go raid other ships like in Sid Meier's Pirates. Like you can just scout out like, oh God, that guy has a bunch of gold. I'm going to I'm gonna raid him. I am so glad you brought up Sid Meier's Pirates because I'd never, I'd never made the connection why I love this game so much. I love Sid Meier's Pirates. I will fucking play Sid Meier's Pirates for hours on end. Mm -hmm. This is the evolution of Sid Meier's Pirates. Dude, this game, and it's funny, you you, you talk about the ships, like, when I remember AC4, the biggest moments I remember are not the -the on-the-land assassination or any of the missions. It's me going up against the epic ships. (gasps) Yeah, Yeah, those things were scary. Those things were so fucking badass. But by that time, I was OP as well, so I'm like, fuck you, we're having it out, Mm. let's do this shit. And I sunk. Fuck those guys. Yeah, it, it was so good. I, I think it was funny that you brought up Pirates of the Caribbean, Matt. That the Kingdom Hearts game stole the the don't ship do. combat for their Pirates of the Caribbean level. We're talking about like, it's, don't, don't bring <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. But no, I loved it. I loved. I loved. It. I love Edward Cullen as a as a character. Like he was Kenway. Kenway, the fact that he Kenway. wasn't an assassin well, yeah. is so fucking brilliant. Yeah, and, oh. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That up until now, you like all your your playable characters have been assassins. The, the, the except for Altair, the very first one, like it's all something that they kind of discover as teenagers. Right. Whereas Edward, he's just a pirate who steals the clothes of an assassin that he kills, and it turns out no, it's a bad assassin. He was going to betray the assassins to mm. the Templars. But uh, he spends most of the game as just a guy pretending to be an assassin mm-hmm. until, like, I think fairly late he finally gets recruited by them. They're finally like, okay, yeah, we'll we'll let you in, fine. Yeah. You can be a real assassin. I feel like, uh, I don't know, Michael, you work at Ubisoft. I worked there when this came out. Yeah, full disclosure. And so I don't know that this was the case, but I feel like even that, they had to, like, throw people a bone because they would have been so pissed if he really was never an assassin. It was kind of like, because yeah. I didn't need yeah. him to be an assassin. That was the coolest part. It's like, no. Nah, but but that's, just... that's also part of his his sort of character and redemption arc that he, yeah. he, he, he 
gradually moves from like just a guy who's out to grab as much loot as he can before he dies to somebody who's a little more altruistic. And uh, you know who else works for Ubisoft? You do in this game. Have you met right. our new hire? Just started today. I haven't. Yeah. Bonjour. What project? Sample seventeen, the Kenway line. Hey them, Connor. Edward, the pirate. Ah, arriar, maybe. <laughs> Very exciting. Welcome aboard. I mean, it's not really Ubisoft; it's Abstergo Entertainment, but it seems but very it's clearly in the based same on part Ubisoft. of Montreal as yeah, Ubisoft. Yeah, Montreal. Yeah. Uh, that's in, in terms of the between mission stuff. That is, this one's probably the best out of any Assassin's Creed. Yeah, game. yeah, I'll get. Behind it's the that. most fun. It's it's definitely the most fun. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like uh, first person exploration. You go around, do hacking puzzles. You. Uh, you, you steal information from other people's computers. I wish my workday was this exciting. How are we five minutes in and we haven't brought up the best part of this game? And I pray you have a sound clip. If you don't, we can't be friends. Sea shanties, Michael. Heave up, oh, heave away. Hey, and go. The anchor's on board and the cable's all stored. To be rollicking randy dandy oh. Hey. Sailing around, whiling away the time in between ports with uh, going to travel speed and letting your men sing out over the waves. It's so good. It's so and great. then And then... Now, I know now this is... you're sens- ready to sail for the horn. And this, this is a sensitive topic, but there's also harpooning in this game. Yes. And it's very fun. <laughs> it's yes. it's yeah. a fun part Just of the game. Just tell yourself, there were more whales back then. <laughs> but also... Right. I don't have to do it in real life. Now I've done it in a video game. So there you right. go. Did, did you think you had to do it in real life I at did. some point? Well, okay. there was initiation at one point. It was college. Uh-huh. I was trying uh-huh. new things, Michael. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Uh-huh. Um, no, but that that even the um, the scenes where you go diving in shark-infested waters. Yes. Oh, my God. God. The, diving. the diving was really cool. And the diving... So the diving actually let me do one of the cool, funniest videos I did last year is uh, one of my friends... Uh, Astera Karen, uh, she does streaming. She was streaming this game, and I set like a diving montage of her exploring under the sea to under Hell the yeah. sea from the little the little mermaid. And it it's uh, it's just it's just fun. There's so many fun like aspects to that game, especially coming off three, which like I didn't hate three, but I know a lot of people didn't care for it. And this game just felt like it's like oh, you guys wanted a video game that's fun. Here yeah, you go. Yeah, this is a video game as video game yeah. too uh, it's it's like like you said to they kind of let you do what you want you know like mm-hmm. it's it's they, they just it's just like okay you you want to go be a pirate and sail the caribbean here you go and by the way you can make it between every island in a matter of minutes and they all kind of they do the nice assassin's creed thing where the different cities have a different feel a little mm-hmm. bit different flair yeah havana has a very old world like sea fort kind of thing and uh you, know, you go to, to Nassau and uh, Kingston. That's yeah, that's the yeah. big British one. And they have the, yeah. the the fortress assaults are actually pretty fun too. Like yeah, if yeah. you want to live out the Pirates of the Caribbean ride from Disneyland, where you are sacking a fort that's built into the side of a cliff, mm-hmm. this game lets you do that. Yep, yep. Just blast it with your cannons Fuck, and your mortars. And How is this number three on your list? This game's re- well, it's not in order. Yeah. It's not in order. There was yeah. not numbered. That's really how sure. it's number three on the list. Also, uh, it is but yeah, the. Um, so, like uh, the other thing to me that one of the pillars of a truly great Assassin's Creed game is not just that it makes the time period seem vivid and alive and relatable, mm-hmm. but that it takes famous historical figures and turns them into people you really want to hang out with and see more of. 
For example, Blackbeard. All a big show. Give your quarry something to fear. Some hellish thing from a fever dream. And men will drop to their knees, pleading for their lord before all else. <sighs> oh, God. Looks fine. Of course it does. <laughs> it's nice. To, it's nice to know Rorschach still exists in this universe. <laughs> it's, it's no Peter Ustinov, but yeah, it's a yeah. fine Blackbeard. But 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 I I love the Blackbeard because it's it's just like he's just kind of a a goofball who doesn't really like to fight. So he's cultivated this persona that yeah. people will be afraid of, and like yeah, does does the whole thing with the fuses in his hat, and it's it's all very theatrical, and it's just meant to give people to make people surrender without a fight. Pretty much. But, yeah. But but yeah, it, it just like showing you kind of the softer side of Blackbeard makes him like, oh, you're you're my friend Edward. You're not you're not Blackbeard, the famous historical pirate. What's the um there's also a tragic moment. What's the female pirate that's in that's in this game? There um, are several. There's a couple. Uh, Mary Reed is the really cool one yes. who is uh introduces you to the assassins. There's Anne Bonnie who sings Bonnie. a very sad song over the, the end credits. Yeah. The Anne Bonnie, uh, the Anne Bonnie storyline in particular was mm-hmm. really hit home, but the Mary Reed stuff was super fucking cool as yeah, well. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, but yeah, this this casts you as as one of uh, as sort of an unknown pirate among a bunch of historical bigwigs who were, you know, their stories can be charted and they mostly take tragic turns, and it's it's about transcending that pirate lifestyle and becoming an assassin. Uh, <laughs> I didn't choose the pirate life. The pirate life she chose me, matey. <laughs> but yeah, I, I absolutely love this game. I think it is my favorite Assassin's Creed, even though uh, Odyssey had a lot of very similar gameplay. Yeah. It was it was a truer open world in that, like, I think uh, in Assassin's Creed 4, like, the cities were sort of discrete worlds that were connected to the main world. Yeah. Whereas in Odyssey, like, everything is just part of the open world. The map is so much bigger. There's a lot more land. You know, I mean, even though oh, you're yeah. at sea a lot, there's a lot more land segments in, mm-hmm. in Odyssey. Yeah. So. Also, you can just jump into the ocean anywhere and go swim with some sharks. You know which what? This kind of cool. This game kind of reminds me of. Sometimes it felt like Wind Waker, and I don't mean that in a bad way at all. But mm-hmm. just the fact that it's like I'm getting on the open sea and going where I choose, and just I'm going to point in this direction and see if I find an island. It's really good at that. Yep. 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 And. uh... I'm going to like, oh, shit, there's like a, a thing I should collect on that. I'm going to yeah. jump off the ship and, <laughs> and just swim over to it and then uh, fail the- to climb back okay. onto my ship. Put in that gif of Forrest Gump just walking off of his ship. Uh, that's basically this game. It's just huh. like, oh, I see something. Boom. Yeah. Captain's over, <laughs> There he goes again. This fucking guy. Anchors <laughs> away. Got to wait for this guy. <laughs> Our captain just saw an island, decided to jump off the side of a fucking ship. Like a moron. Why did he fall this guy? Oh, right. He's awesome. It is. It's just like, yeah, you're, you're, you're a spaz in this game. <laughs> you're fucking... Oh, I, I love s- it. And, and like, this, like, I, I felt like the fighting was just really empowering in this. Like, you, you get lots of instant kills once you you know, power up all the way. You have like the dual cutlasses yeah. and then like the four guns that you can just pull out in rapid succession and shoot in different directions. Yeah. Like that's pretty cool. Pretty dope. Yeah. Uh, but is it as dope as number two? 
Your anger, you can get lost in it. That ahead is difficult. And you, Atreus, are clearly not ready. Mm. Boy. Boy. God of boy. War, boy. <laughs> or, as uh, as this guy puts it, If it isn't the bearded beaver in his sex <laughs> if I got something for you, too. Brock? But how did you... None of your fucking business. Now get in here. I got something for you. And don't go making pig eyes at my spot. I saw it first. Okay. <laughs> so I, I loved 2018's God of War. And I, I should say, full disclosure, I have been a God of War, huge God of War fan since the first game. Uh, but I, I feel like mm. the, the one uh, from 2018 took it in a drastically different direction. Yeah. And was much better for it. And it kind of had to. That, that series, as much as I love the, the God of War games, the originals, it had gotten a little stale. Like mm-hmm. that same formula, it, it felt like, because well, one of the things is they ha- they had to keep upping the wow factor and the stakes, and it's like, okay, he's he's killed the entire pantheon now. What else can we do? Mm-hmm. And so they they right. a <laughs> went to an all new pantheon where, where yeah, they, they got yeah, the yeah. Norse gods, and b completely changed the game. It's 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 an over the shoulder perspective now instead of the the let's call it isometric top ish down uh-huh. old you know God of War of old and. Just the the structure of the game, um, the fact that it's like now there's these discrete worlds that you kind of warp to with the little, I don't know what you'd call that thing. Yeah, the the um, what's the, the Rainbow Bridge to Asgard? That thing, the yeah. Bifrost. Yeah, the Bifrost. Uh, yeah, the yeah, thank Bifrost. You. Yeah, thank you. Um, but yeah. it's like, and and yeah, it's an open world that you like. It, it's all based around like this huge lake, and you're gradually draining the lake and revealing more and more of the world that's that's been underneath it. Uh, the the exploration, I feel like it it borrowed from Dark Souls a bit, and the way that the game is structured. Whereas the the fighting system was just so beautifully tuned, and I didn't realize until like I was in the end game, like exactly what how to to use it most effectively. That yeah. like so for most of the right. game, it's like. Uh, you get this axe that acts like a boomerang, and it's tremendously fun just to throw this thing and catch it, and to throw it at enemies, and uh, to hack enemies that get close to you. And then you can also use your fists. And there's another weapon that I don't want to spoil. But once I got into the end game with Muspelheim and um, one of the other Heims, it's the the one that looks like a lava pit. Yeah, the, there's the basically... lava pit, and then there's the one that's covered in toxic fog. Yeah, the the one with the maze, the, right. that, which is a dynamic maze. It changes every time you go. Yeah, in. yeah, yeah. It's, it's all procedural, but um, it's it's really to me it was the lava world because it's a series of combat challenges where it's like, I kind of yeah that that's where they teach you. Well, here's what you can do with the combat, and like if you play the challenges the way they've they've outlined them for you, it's like you'll learn how to use your different and how to switch between your weapons mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And it's like yeah, it, it just. Like how integral it is to chain between like, okay, now axe attack, now fist attack. You yeah. can stun with the fist attack and that sets him up for an axe attack yeah. again. Yeah. Now this. Right. It's, it was, it was, it was really great, especially like coming as a huge fighting mm-hmm. game fan. And I, I love those other God of War games as like an evolution of a beat em up. But this felt like, it felt like if, like how I want the Avengers mm-hmm. game to feel like, like I felt like a a superhero playing as Kratos, not because he was doing like cool shit, but it's like if you could think of doing a combo, it's like, oh yeah, well here it is. Like it, it was just it was really, really great. And 
the thing I loved about that game as well is it gave Kratos pathos. Like, I've been watching a lot of the, the X-Men 90s cartoon, and I've always written off as like, oh, that was just a bad cartoon. But it, it's not. It's just such ingrained in, like, that life-filled in, uh, Jim Lee, like, image version of what a comic book should be. And as we've grown more, we've had comic book characters with, with like, actual pathos. And that's what we're getting now. Like, the old God of War games are, might as well be an image comic, mm. right? And now we're actually seeing this image character grown up and, like, think about consequences and how do you raise a son and how do you care for Atreus but also still be this gruff exterior of what we think a man is supposed to be. Like, it's... That game had no business being as good as it was. And that's not saying a negative thing. I think the the uh, team with... Uh, Bar- Barlog and his team did such a great job, but it's just... I was so blown away of how good that I read game. an interesting article on fucking this. I'm going to sound so pretentious on Ludo narrative dissonance mm-hmm. uh, this week. And it was with um, one of the story guys from the last of us. And he mm-hmm. talks about, you know, how uncharted always, and he also of uncharted, I should say talks about how uncharted, you know, it always gets that criticism. Like Nathan Drake is this amazing character we can identify with, but then he is this homicidal maniac because he kills thousands of people. Sure. And he talks about now as technology kind of gets better, you don't need to, you don't need to, to, that disconnect doesn't need to be there as quickly. And he, he mentions the fact that God of War opens with Kratos building a funeral pyre for his wife who recently mm-hmm. died. And it's like. See, I thought you were going to say that disconnect doesn't need to be there anymore because now we have the technology to portray <laughs> Nathan Drake's psychosis in a believable way. <laughs> but it's in this game, you, you're, you don't actually do much combat until like 30 20 or 30 minutes in like it starts yeah. it starts with narrative and it really you immediately on the opening of the game you you emotionally connect with kratos in a way yeah. that you never were able to well, before i feel like kratos always had a certain amount of pathos to him it's just that this game kind of made it it, it was less subtextual it was more overt because i think in in the early god of war games if you read between the lines you can see that like Kratos is, he, he he's like this engine of rage and destruction, but what it stems from is his own trauma and his desire to, like, he, he cannot live with what he's done. So he's just challenging bigger and bigger things in the hopes that they will kill him. And yeah. they can't. That's that's the thing. Yeah. And, and so, like, as I, I've always joked, like, oh, Kratos is angry because he's sad. That's that's the, the depth yeah. of God of War. But But I feel like this was... Not just Kratos having that pathos, but also kind of having had some time to process it. And, yeah, yeah. And to kind of, he's trying right. to be a better person. He's just really bad at yeah, it. Yeah, like old Kratos, it's very much like a teenage or 20-something response mm-hmm. to, oh, shit has happened to me. Now I'm just going to lash out. Yeah. Whereas this Kratos doesn't lash out so yeah. much. He's, he's Well, especially in uh, the first uh, real confrontation with an Asgardian... Uh, you get this stranger coming to your house. And here I thought your kind was supposed to be so enlightened, so much better than us, so much smarter. And yet you hide out here in the woods like a coward. You do not want this fight. Oh, (laughs) I'm pretty sure I do. Stranger punches Kratos in the face a few times, and Kratos is just like, 
I'm keeping it under control. Leave my house. Where it's like <laughs> old Kratos just would have immediately grabbed his head and crushed it right there. I mean, eventually they I'm do punch each other. putting up with that right. shit from the kid from E.T. Mm-hmm. Eventually they do punch <laughs> each other into a cliff. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could say that You could say that guy wanted to pick mm-hmm. a fight with Kratos. That is a joke literally from that. Uh but also know what I know about I had to read it. that game. Yeah, but I, I also cool I love that scene because yeah. it's like the dialogue makes you think that he's saying like, "Oh, you Greeks are so enlightened," and then say no more. Yeah, say I will no say more. no more. Knowing what we know about the yeah. game, mm-hmm. I feel like that is a game that I should play back. Even though I spent hours playing that game, I should play through it again, or at least watch the cinematics again, because everything will have a different meaning now, knowing mm-hmm. what I know about a big reveal in yeah. that game. That- yeah, I mean, it's just there's so many cool scenes. Like even going to see the, um, is it Idrisil the the land the land dragon? Well, the- Idrisil is the tree of life. The tree, the, but the tree, of, but mm. like when you're when you're sailing and you oh like, Jormungandr, Jormungandr. There we go. That's one. The giant yeah. snake. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, and it's just like. It was just such a fucking like who's friendly. Tremendous, it was like what the f- like it was so great. Like uh that game was just such a lot of great moments. Like even going into um, Elfenheim, where the Dark Elves, where the Dark Elves. Yeah, were, that's yeah. like the first world you go to after the main right. area. I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I was very, I was very lukewarm on the game. I was just like, okay, this is fine. Until I went there, and then you had that scene where where Kratos kind of like goes away for a moment. And he comes back, and you see, like, Atreus is like, no, I had to fucking kill a lot of these, yeah. like, I've been here for elves. hours or days, I think he even says, <laughs> killing these yeah. guys. Yeah. And that's when I was like, oh, this game is doing something I didn't expect at all. Yeah. Well, if I if I may, as the only parent on this podcast, mm-hmm. that is a, a one of the reasons Kratos has to behave so differently in this game than, than the other games. In the other games, he had lost his entire family. They, they had been killed. He has a son to take care of in this game. And as a parent, I can tell you, when I'm in my 20s and 30s, I thought I was indestructible. Mm-hmm. Or if anything happened to me, it's like, hey, you know, whatever, because I don't have anyone. When you have kids, you think differently about how you act because it's like, oh, shit, they are counting and relying on me. Mm-hmm. And Kratos has a parent's journey in this game where yeah. he, he starts off, I wouldn't call him a bad dad, but he He's been an absent dad. I think yeah. it establishes that, that like he, he doesn't really know his son. He hasn't spent much time at home. And so this is as much about him like getting to know his boy yeah. as it is about like him, him learning to be a better parent. And, yeah. uh, and, and yeah, like I, I came to this game also, I want to say like after reading Neil Gaiman's Norse mythology. Same. And so like, I was kind of like, wait a second, this isn't right. And, and I loved that it pointed out like, Everything that I thought was an inconsistency with Norse mythology, it, it put a lampshade on it, so mm. to speak, in that it, uh, like, there's always an explanation, like, so I thought that the Dark Elves were dwarves. It's like, oh, well, so do the Asgardians. They just can't tell the difference because they're racist. Like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I can accept this. It, it also really shows you that, yeah, in that mythology, Thor is an asshole. Oh, such an he, asshole. He's an asshole. Yeah. Like, he's a dick. And in this... You, you barely see him in this game, and it definitely teases. I fucking can't wait for a sequel and a showdown between mm-hmm. Kratos and Thor because it's going to be it's so gonna good. Happen. It's yeah. got to happen. Kratos right? and Thor, like it's just, mm, it's it's such a good game, mm-hmm. and I I and especially like I think we've been very kind of inundated um, media wise with Norse mythology. It's so ripe for the picking right now, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know this game. It's really great. I can't wait for those like God of War two. 
which will presumably be on the PlayStation Five, is mm-hmm. like my probably my most anticipated game of this upcoming decade. Yeah, it's right up there for me, and uh, and I hope we get to see more of uh, the dwarves, including this guy. Okay, I will make improvements to the axe, but nobody asked you to. Well, it's it's true, but but knowing your mother. <laughs> She would have insisted I repair that act of vandalism perpetrated against her axe by my brother. <laughs> but I love first, Brock and Sentry. But first, I'm going to need some hand sanitizer because he's a germaphobe. <laughs> yeah, he's it's a so germaphobe good. and he's, he's like clad like neck to toe in armor and it's because he's a germaphobe. <laughs> it's so good. As a bit of a germaphobe myself, mm-hmm. I can mm-hmm. identify yeah, and relate. Yeah. Every time he picks up your axe, he's like, Ew. There's Ew. blood what have you all been over killing this? with this. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Where is it? What's, what creature's ass did you shove this up? <laughs> My God. Yeah. yeah. Good L- shit, man. Love God of War. Love God, God of War. Is really War. Good. It's, it's a fantastic game. I cannot wait to see the follow up. But my controversial. <laughs> awaits. So the Arl thinks you can be of use to me. Oh, yes, he must be referring to my research into the dragons. Yes, I could use someone to fetch something for me. Well, when I say fetch, I really mean delve into a dangerous ruin in search of an ancient stone tablet that may or may not actually be there. Dude, stop trying to make fetch happen, all right? (laughs) Um, I don't know why this is controversial. I I think, if anything, it's controversial for not being on our top ten. Yeah, I think it's, it's also controversial in that it has become... I think devalued in recent years. I think I think there there have been people who say like, well, this is just like an you know the endless series of remasters and ports. it's on everything. It's, it's on everything. It's like Doom. You can play it on a character. But here's the thing: it deserves to be on everything because Skyrim, the Elder Scrolls V Skyrim, yeah, is an amazing open world game. And I think without it, there would be no God of War as we know it now. There would be no Witcher. They, like. This this was a, a huge evolution in open world gaming, and when I say the way that I like to play open worlds is, somebody tells me to do something and I just fuck off in a different direction. Yeah, that, this was the game. last game I remember that like really allowed for something like that. So let me let me pull Chris like he did with Stardew Valley. I'm going to do that with if you must. <laughs> um, I I don't like this game as much as everyone does because I need I need to know where I'm going. I need to have an idea of like, hey, here's an objective. I mean, I got lost. <laughs> well, I, you, they do, but I got lost within the first let's say, first 45 minutes of that game mm-hmm. and missed a lot of key stuff that helps you out in the beginning and um, did not have a great time with Skyrim at really? all. Hmm. So, yeah, Michael, you this might surprise you because I think you've heard me personally kind of criticize this game because of reasons and, and you know, what, what it's morphed into and, and kind of more what it represents. I love Skyrim. I will take exception. I'm going to disagree with you very slightly on your assessment. I don't think it evolved much. I think it was the refinement and perfection of a formula that they, they started with Morrowind with Elder Scrolls 3 mm-hmm. and got much better at with Oblivion 4. Mm-hmm. But Skyrim, I think they finally achieved what they were setting setting out well, to do with I think, those other games. I feel like Skyrim, like if you if you go back and forth between playing Oblivion and Skyrim, you can mm-hmm. see that Skyrim has much more of a 
kind of chunky action feel to it. Mm -hmm. Whereas Oblivion is a little bit more... Uh, I don't. I guess slightly floaty. I'm not quite sure how sure. to. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but I mean, it's the, the, com- the first person combat in those games is. Uh-huh. It, it got much better with Skyrim, and yeah. and the, and the dragon shouts they gave you mm-hmm. really added a cool dynamic. But just in terms of how they put that world together and the amount of stuff, and and TL, I'm surprised to hear you say that. Like, hey, within 45 minutes you get lost because I think one of my goals of these games when I start them is I'm just going to walk in a direction and see what I encounter, and there is no it's tough to get lost in this game because there's no, there's no level zones. It's not like a wow where it's like, you're going to end up somewhere you're, you're there. You're over level. Cause I believe at least in Skyrim, they scale the monsters to your level. At yeah. They, time. they always scale the monsters to your level. But one of the neat things about it at toward the end game is that the, the monsters kind of have a cap that they hit mm. that you can go well beyond. Sure. So it is possible. Like I did the, the main quest, the very last, I just wandered all over the map. I did every other side quest. Same. And each of those side quests is like a full game unto itself. Yeah. Uh, yeah so yeah. by the time I got to the end of the game, I was like head of the Mages College, head of Same. the Fighters Guild, head of Same. the Thieves Guild, head of the Assassins, of uh, the, the Dark Brotherhood. What are they called? That's that's the one that I I accidentally killed all of them so Whoops. that I could not go on that quest chain. <laughs> I, stum- I stumbled upon their headquarters, was locked out picked the lock they immediately attacked me i killed the entire dark brotherhood and i before you even knew how important it was the best quest line in oblivion Uh uh-huh and i mean i'm 200 something hours into a game i couldn't go back and undo it or whatever but Mm -hmm. i was um but but i'm with you on the rest Mm -hmm. and i think i know what you're getting at by the time i did the last quest line i was a god yeah by the time (laughs) i went up against alduin it's like no eaters of eater of worlds is my job title you fuck off. That's Bray Wyatt, actually. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, for for real. Like I was, I was two shotting dragons in this game. Right? <laughs> like once, once to take them out of the sky. Once when they were down on the ground, like yeah. thump, you're fucking mm. dead. I just absorbed oh, your dragon and power. My favorite thing to do, also, like I forged my own swords, and I imbued. Like I, I got addicted to the idea of like, oh, so if you put in, there's like a, a magic that you can cast on swords. I forget what it's called, but basically. You suck out the souls of your opponents when you kill them, and they feel magic gems, and that yep. powers the creation of more magical items. So I just had a, like a super powerful sword that I just called Soulfucker Prime. Yeah, and it just I could just one shot pretty much every character who who tried to step to me, and it's like, yeah, I'm gonna kill you and take your fucking soul because because I'm the good guy. I, I I got that. I got the official version of that sword, which I think it's Molag Bal. Is, mm-hmm. is the Daedric Prince that his sword does that it just it sucks up souls mm-hmm. and so I went on a quest line got his sword and it's like one of the most powerful swords in the game and is then it I, a mace? I it's a mace it's a mace and ball, you, you yeah. bop them steal their soul <laughs> and then put ultra powerful souls in these other dude there's so much depth and so, so one of the things I love about the Elder Scrolls games is is they're they're what you make of them and in ter- and even your character the way they do leveling in the game it's like well Eh, really kind of what you start with doesn't matter that much because it's like if you spend enough time dropping enough points into certain skills, you can make any kind of character you want. Mm. And and if you spend enough hours, you can be the uber character good at everything. I can sneak. I can shoot bows. I can, you know, do melee. And, and, and yeah, so, like, it's just the amount of choice in this game. Like, there's a reason people are still playing this. Eight, is it eight years later? This is 2011 or 2011, 12? yeah. 
so nine years, tw- nine years now, yeah. Uh, but yeah, one of my one of my most cherished memories as a game journalist was getting to do a cover story oh, for shit. this for uh, for PlayStation, the official magazine, and uh, going to Bethesda and meeting the people behind it and like asking a bunch of questions. And so this was like the year after Bioshock Two came out, and mm-hmm. Bioshock Two, if you'll recall, added like dual wielding like you could have a plasmid in one hand and a gun in the other yeah bioshock one i think made you do one or the other but two let you do it at the same time Mm. and so skyrim they they introduced that for like you can have a spell in your left hand and a sword in your right hand yeah okay and and i mentioned this like oh man it's like bioshock 2 that's so cool it's like yeah we actually looked at bioshock 2 when we did this that is the only time in my entire career a developer has admitted that (laughs) to taking inspiration from another game that yeah. It happens, man. Sometimes it does, but they almost never admit it to the press. <laughs> <laughs> but now it's, it's, um, yeah, man, this, this game is, fuck, man, it might have defined this generation. I, I don't know. Like, this, this is so many people's favorite games still. I think it, this it arguably did define the generation. Yeah. Yeah, in terms of what you could do in an open world game, the sheer amount of content, like, yep. Uh, gamer, you know, pe- people like us, we have a voracious appetite for content, and this game is like, I still feel like I barely scratched the surface, even having spent mm. over a hundred hours in the game. It's like there's probably still. It, it also had, I think, one of the reasons wasn't this the first one that had the dynamic quest thing where, yeah, it's called Radiant Quest. Yeah, the Radiant yeah. Quest stuff, which is basically like, uh, you can go back to someone and they will create another. This uh, kind of create a little side quest for you on, at a whim, mm-hmm. right? And so... And go find yeah. object in dungeon. Yes, exactly. Yeah, 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 right? yeah, exactly. But this also really deserves credit for creating something that felt like a world that you live in. Like, this isn't just an open world yeah. where you run around and explore and collect things. Like, you live here. You have friends here. You have houses here. You can steal people's silverware here and hoard it for unknown reasons. Yeah. Uh, but also... Who can forget their first house, Carl? By my right as Jarl, I name you Thane of Whiterun. It's the greatest honor that's within my power to grant. I assign you Lydia as a personal house, Carl, and this weapon from my armory to serve as your badge of office. I'll also notify my guards of your new title. Wouldn't want them to think you're part of the common rabble, now would we? Uh, Lydia, you're the first companion that most people get playing Skyrim, and she just follows you around and fights your battles and carries your loot. And she's seems... the first companion I lost. Uh, you ever, like, did you ever lose your companion for a while, or you just like I would maybe like I didn't, but I remember hearing stories about somebody like lost her and she just like fell through the mesh yeah. between a mountain. Yeah, she fell yeah. through the map for me. I think, or maybe I fast traveled somewhere. Um, and then it's like they don't fast travel sometimes because they will like run through the map in real time and then catch oh. up to you. You'll just be like standing there in another city and you will see your companion sprinting your direction mm-hmm. <laughs> and they'll catch up like, okay, I finally found you. And you're like, oh, we're good. We're, we're, all right, let's go. Yeah, let's go kill some dragons. <laughs> did you, um, God, I can't remember if it's, I think it's lycanthropy. Did you, did you ever become a werewolf? Of course I became a werewolf. <laughs> I became a vampire. Yes. I did that I shit became too. a syphilitic drug addict. I mean, not really, but yeah. yeah. This game's good, man. No skooma in this game. You can't be a drug addict. Or did it, did it bring uh, skooma back? I remember I it was missing skooma from in one Oblivion. of the cities. Okay. I feel like there's skooma. Yeah. No, you're right. There is skooma. There is. Those cat I mean, people love their skooma, man. Yeah, yeah. I played as a yeah. Khajiit. 
Oh, you I did? You were Khajiit? Khajiit? Yeah. Oh, shit. I used to be a Khajiit until I took the arrow to my face. <laughs> die. <laughs> yeah, dude, the Khajiit are, they're like, they're the kind of the, well, no, it's not them. It's, is it them or the lizard people that no one reacts well to when you're in town? The Argonians? Well, it's, yeah, it's, the Argonians. It's the, I think it is the Khajiit in this game, because I don't think they're, I don't think you can play as an Argonian. Yeah, you can. In Skyrim. You can. You can? You can? Yeah, you always can. Well, and if you can't in the regular version, one of the other things we haven't mentioned, the mods of this game are fantastic. Mm -hmm. If you want a giant Randy Savage monster to follow you around in a game, boy, do we have a mod for you. But, TL, I will see your arrow to the knee and I will raise you. I used to be an adventurer like you. Then I took an arrow in the knee. I used to be an adventurer like you. Then I took an arrow in the knee. I used to be an adventurer like you. And I took an arrow in the knee. I think that's the reason it became a meme is just because, like, it's something every guard will have in their repertoire of things to say. Yeah, I mean, even though it is a massive game, there's only so much content you can record. And Mm -hmm. so it's like... There's, like, maybe a dozen voice actors, um, one of whom is freaking Max von Sydow. Dragons, they can be killed. The Blades killed many in their early days as dragon slayers. No, the dragons are merely the final portent of the end of days. Oh, yes, the prophecies make clear the signs that will precede the end times. One by one, I've seen them fulfilled. Aldrin has returned, just like the prophecy said. The dragon from the dawn of time, who devours the souls of the dead. It's more fun if you imagine Vigo the Carpathian saying those lines. Hell yeah. Yeah. I'm about to say, which, which is better, Max Fosito in this or Max Fosito in the Ghostbusters game? I, I think uh, the Ghostbusters <laughs> game, honestly, because in that he's, he wears, says lines like, Come closer, boy, I'll wear you like pants. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like I said, I don't, I don't want to come off like I hate this game. I just don't love it as much as everybody does. Like, I think the procedural, like the procedural generated uh, dungeons that you could just find randomly, I thought those were cool. I thought that was like really actually kind of awesome. Like you could just, like, like, someone else could be playing the game, and you might have a completely different, like, small little dungeon that's not tied in. Mm-hmm. And I thought the School of Magic was really fun. Yeah. I did that really early. Um, but it's just, like I said, I really wish it clicked to me like everybody else did. But I don't think it's the following of this game. I think it's just, like, I don't think I love Bethesda stuff as much as everybody else. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of... Uh, TL, I'm totally with you. I think most everything you do in this game is boring and mundane. Uh, it's 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 fetch my sandals. They're over there on the other side of the world. You keep bringing that one up. I think you just hit that and gave up on it, dude. No, it, I, I played this a ton of times, and it's not like there's things I don't like about it. But I will say, having like only recently like not logged into Steam every day, like there were people playing this on Steam every day as if it were a MMO. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's not. Well, especially on Steam, and, like you have access to the mod community, and there are people. I know creating mods that are huge expansions with like whole new maps to explore. But I'm talking like I'm not the most popular person in the world, but I would load yes, up my Steam are. and like in like in like 22 people would be playing this in 2016. Wow. Yeah. Like like there, there's not a lot to do, but people found something in this world worth revisiting once a day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I don't understand it. I really don't. But yeah. I understand like when 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 they release a new version like I get it because I've looked at my fucking friends list. Yeah. Uh, on on all platforms, and people love spending time in this game. I don't. I I couldn't understand it. I want to steal all the pans and not 
slow down to one mile an hour. I don't know why you want to steal all the pans. The pans are the... No, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's fun, but... <laughs> I mean, if they're called pants... So, of course, you have to put pants in the pants. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, um, it's, like I said, this... It's also weird, really weird to me. So, like, this game is a decade old, but, like, when I first started podcasting, uh, doing my own show, not plugging it yet, but doing my own show, like, we legitimately talked about Skyrim for a year. Damn. I know Kayla and them, like, they fucking love every second of this game. And it's just, like, I really... It's a very important game, and you absolutely have to be... Mm-hmm. It has to be on, on the list, because, of course, well, like, this is a, also, a very good, important in, game. In terms of open world, like, when I say, like, this is a world that you live in, how many games let you do shit like pick up a bucket, put it on a shopkeeper's head, and steal them, ro- just rob them blind while they've got a bucket on their head? You can do that. You can do that! Oh, my God. I've been sneaking around for years. <laughs> <laughs> you can do that. There's, like, the cheese... Ro- like. Yes, I, I think just like people just got cheese and just rolled it off the walls. Like I'm just going to do this. Yeah, now. you have not this lived until you've put a hundred cheese wheels in your inventory, climbed up a mountain, and dropped them all at once. Because they they will just hang there in the air until you you have dropped them all, and then you unpause and just they all go rolling down. That's brilliant. No, I mean there's so many great things like um, Griffin McQuarrie used to have the the series like Touch uh, uh, Touch the Skyrim, where he would just like. He would just break Skyrim, and that all that is fun. All that is really enjoyable, and I I like all that. I just really wish I got that same enjoyment in playing that game. Anyway, but that's that's my top five, which is to say my five picks from our vast list of games of the decade. Those are your they're your top five. They're your honorable mentions outside of our top ten. Sure. Um, and you guys will get your turns. Don't worry. Hell yeah. Yeah. But for now, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we will talk about some new releases, question marks, some news, some other stuff. So stay tuned. Holy shit. What is this? Forged in God's very flames. Do mine eyes tell me lies? A new Elder Scrolls game. Time is nigh. I must fly. Venture forth on my quest. Goodbye, Ma. Goodbye, Pa. And goodbye, girlfriend's breasts. I'll be off as a rough. Catch you later, I rule. I'll be gone, I'll be on, I'm no longer your fool. The crab filled the gap while I waited to begin the adventure of my life in the land of Skyrim. Let's get scratching. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. I really need you here for... I just okay. described it to you earlier. I need you to talk me off a ledge. I saw Rise mm-hmm. of the Skywalker Day 1. It instantly left a bad taste in my mouth. I had to fight every urge in my body to go online and complain about a Star Wars movie because I promised myself I would not be that person ever again. (laughs) But here we were, and I I know I have some rational criticisms of the movie, even some rational negativity towards the movie, but what I hate is that like it has overshadowed the things I know are fine and okay and work would work in any sci-fi adventure movie. And, sure. and and that's I think that's why Star Wars becomes such a difficult property um, because and I think that's 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 why this one looks so weird. You can see the strings on them trying to please everybody, 
and in effect, oh, like absolutely, yeah, in I'll effect, like slightly displeasing a lot of people. I, I knew I needed someone like you or or Dan Amrick just that like have, have a little more balanced look at like how to deal with small pieces of disappointment where it doesn't end up coloring your entire experience. But I think, yeah, I think uh, Star Wars: Rise of the Skywalker started out. To me, with things I read as egregious changes to address the worst possible kind of criticism, and it colored the rest of the film for me. And I, I walked out yeah. like thinking, like I can't even see what the good moments were. And as I talked to people, like, what about this and that? And like, yeah, you're right, you're right. Those are like, but I was in a bad mood. Get bonus time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just five dollars on Patreon.com/slash LaserTime. And welcome back to our final segment brought to you by Viva La Bam Seasons 3 and 4 available now on UMD from Dave Rudden. Thanks, Dave. Which, by the way, we, did, we, we didn't know that was from Dave Rudden for a while and we're just creeped out. I was referring to it. I was like, oh, you mean your anthrax delivery device, Michael? <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. It's from Dave. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> on your original PlayStation Portable, you can watch uh, Bam Margera beat the shit out of his family. <laughs> I can't wait. You can watch him beat the shit out of a real child molester. Yeah. Don Vito. He's hilarious. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Well, I think that's probably our longest delay in hitting this button. See, I didn't think there were any new releases this week, but Trav, you said you played something, so what'd you play? Yeah. So I didn't play when it was newly released on, but I've been playing Monster Hunter Iceborne. Is that the official title? Monster, Monster Hunter, Hunter World, World Iceborne. Yeah, Monster Iceborne. Hunter Ice Bros. Which, which just came to PC. Yes. Hey, y'all, Monster Hunter's great. And yes. This, there's never been a better time to hop right on into Monster Hunter, especially um, with the DLC added into the Iceborne DLC. Like, it's... I don't know. It's just really fun to kind of pick back up and get back into the Monster Hunter uh, thing. Have you guys played any of the DLC on the PlayStation 4? I played it. Yes. I pl- yeah, uh, I got a code when it, when it came out last year, and it's... um. Like as I said at the time, it's it's how I paid for it. what the fuck. <laughs> it's really it's a really good expansion. It they do a really cool thing too. Where I don't know if they've now awarded it to everyone who owns the core game, but they they have that defensive armor set, which kind of like it's more powerful than any other armor up to that point. So they they kind of get you where you need to be in terms of power level, so you can tackle the new monsters and go yeah, on new hunts. Usually in the some, DLC. but it's, it's it's the oh you weren't yeah. here armor. And uh, yeah, just yeah. jumps you right ahead, as if Basically, you were there the yeah. whole time. Yeah, it's really good. What uh, what weapon are you using? Uh, so I actually started... So not only did the defensive armor, they also have the defender weapon uh, yeah. set, which right. is also really great. Yeah. And I've been using the defender longsword. Okay. Um, and I was having a problem with... like I, I decided to play it. I was like, oh, let me put it back in. And like the Rathian was... It just whooped the shit out of me. And then... So I, I I decided I was like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna learn some play some find a pookie pookie and kind of get right back into it and then I um, used this defender like the defender longsword and I just like carved through that fucking Rathian like it was nothing. Yep. Um, that game is it's still really fun. The cr- uh, the clutch call is really great. Yep. Um, I don't know. It's just it's it it feels like if this was the version of Monster Hunter World that came out and obviously. There's going to be, like, uh, quality of life improvements, but, like, I don't know. Like, I think this would have been in my game of the decades if this would have came out hmm. 
if this was if this was base Monster Hunter because I feel yeah it felt really it feels really good and it feels I don't know it feels more flowy and I guess more even more I guess you could say arcadey like it's, it it took what Monster Hunter World did in uh, revolutionizing what Monster Hunter was and then made it feel even better. Yeah, the clutch claw really it makes it easier to damage certain parts of the monsters so that you can then kind of wear them down. It's um, I think Chris is it you that always tells me that like this is what we would have gotten if this game followed the typical release pattern of previous Monster Hunters, where typically yep. America would get like the a the, the the plus version that had the big DLC expansion included. Yeah, I, I used to work there, and we trust me, we were frustrated by the idea of like having a totally revolutionized version of a vanilla game come out a year later but that's japan cycle baby and this is the best version of monster i've ever seen yeah so i know what Tra- travis talking about or tl is talking about just the idea that like i don't know what the I, like i played through 100 hours of the game without that so like i still don't use it like the way you're talking about right um, I really don't. I try and like fucking ride that shit until the wheels fall. That's off. yeah. What what I what I can't get the hang of yet is the thing where you go to their head and then fire all your shot in their mouth and then it makes them run into cliffs and do like mega damage. I'm, I still haven't been able to do that. What I can pretty much do with it is just like, oh, I want to target their wings because I want to I want to carve their wing or something like that. And I can shoot at the wing and then hit that part and it, it basically kind of puts like this looks like a scar it's like a mark on them that then when you hit their wing with your weapon regularly it it, it will fall off easier basically so yeah no it's just it's been really fun i'm i'm really glad that pc is finally getting this monster uh monster hunter world dlc because i've heard from a lot of people this is the best way of playing monster hunter world is on pc i don't know it, it's just i i'm i'm really glad that this game still has a very long life to it and there's still like new monsters uh Earlier this week, there was like new monsters added to the PS4 game. Like there's, they're still churning out a lot of stuff with this game. I love the, I love the long tail life on this game right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. How far into the? Um, I think my my one complaint at the time when it came out on console was like, even though they give you the armor to get you where you need to be, like there's still a lot of quests and stuff. You you basically have to to beat the main campaign before you can even go on this expedition. So have you gotten into that yet? Like how many hunts into the snow levels are you at this point? Uh, so I'm not in there yet. Okay. I still have to finish the main game. Cause I, I'd, I'd been off so long. Yeah. I just didn't want to go right back into there. So I'm, I'm like three monsters away from getting into the Iceborne uh, stuff, which a lot of people like said, say it's, it's a lot different and like uh, the changes of the monsters are very unique. So I'm, I'm very close to getting into it, but I, I, I can't wait to finally get into my snow levels and, and get all that snow gear. Can't wait for that. Yeah. Well, and the, the, just like the sheer number of um, additional trees, weapon trees it opens up, or, or like, not trees, but tiers to those trees, it's awesome, man. It's just like, oh, okay, now I have another 100 hours before me. Great. Good game. Hmm. Really good game. Best game of the decade, I will call it when it's my <laughs> turn. <laughs> Don't spoil the list. Let's move along to... You love it. You love it. It being 2020, it is now out with the old, in with the new, which means we have an all new... 
guys, have you seen the trailer for Mythic Quest Raven's Banquet? I have. I feel a full disclosure coming on, Michael. Yes, full disclosure. I do work for Ubisoft, which co-produced this, or co-produces this show, I should say, in the present tense, because it's not out just yet. No, and co-produces with the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia folks, because this is a a new show coming to... The Apple TV Plus service, um, which, to be honest, is the first thing that's made me kind of consider subscribing to Apple TV Plus. But this is a show all about game development. It focuses on a video game developer behind the fictional game Mythic Quest, um, which is seemingly preparing for the Raven's Banquet expansion. And it focuses on, uh, am I saying his name, Rob, Rob McKelleny? McElhenney? McElhenney? McElhenney. 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 The always yeah. sunny guy. Uh, he, he Mac! Is, he star- gay Mac. He stars as the creative director at the developer, uh, Ian Grimm. Uh, Ian Grimm. I see. Um, yes. uh, it, it's, it's a really funny trailer. It's co-created by Charlie Day, so and and Megan Gantz, I think, also. Or co-produced by Charlie Day, co-created by Megan Gantz. Holy uh, shit, she's awesome. Yeah, and uh, it's, got, it's got a great cast that... It, you you like Horizon Zero Dawn? Ashley Birch, she's in this. She's in it. She's uh, in it. It's it's got um, F. Murray Abraham, Solieri from Amadeus, well, uh, nice, <laughs> um, nice, and a bunch of other people. It's got Danny Putty from uh, or Putty from uh, Community from Community. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Now it looks really funny, um, Michael. When is this coming out? February, I think. February. Yeah. Okay. Now looking looking forward to it. Um, in more Hollywood news. Boy, that Witcher TV show is popular. It's actually very good as well. It is so popular, though, that it caused the game to break its concurrent player record numbers yes. on Steam. Uh, so, yeah, after that show debuted at the end Lots of, of last people year... people tossed a coin to the Witcher. Toss a coin to your Witcher! Um, and download Witcher 3! Oh, Valley of Plenty! Uh, that game, yeah, it, it had the most concurrent players it has had uh, on Steam after that, so a lot of people were into it. It also resulted in those books, because the, the, the show is based more on the books than the game. Uh, mm, they're all but st- it takes a lot of design cues from oh, the game. Oh, for sure. Um, but those books are all sold out on Amazon right now. So if you're trying to read them to get caught up. But what you can do is uh, if you go on YouTube, you can find subtitled episodes of the 2002 Polish TV mm-hmm. series that was based on the books. It predates any of the games. So if you want to see like a vision that predates uh, CD Projekt Red's oh, creation. Wow. I would rather marry my own shit. <laughs> what? So, I, so YouTube I, can do that too. There's an <laughs> ASMR video. Chris marries his own shit. So I don't want to go into too much detail because I've been, inter- to be frank, I've been entertaining, creating some content for patrons about this new show. But I will say one of my favorite things is you can tell Superman played the Witcher games. Like mm-hmm. he's basically just doing a Geralt impersonation the entire time, and he's really good at it. Sound like Doug Cockle all the time. You're a cockle. Yeah, I, I, I've wanted to rescue Henry Cavill from Justice League this whole time. Yeah, I love that dude. I really like that dude. Dude, he's really good as Geralt. Like, he's a good... I, I was skeptical. if I wear a mustache in this. <laughs> and I feel like he's like, if you made a gay version of Weird Science, he would be Lisa. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> that would be that would be what you would design. So a gay man would design a genie to look like <laughs> look like Henry Cavill. <laughs> I I was trying to remember that the woman was named Lisa in Weird mm-hmm. Science, but thank you. You're for welcome. That. You're I, welcome. I That's why I'm here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, to be irrelevant. You know, it's a good party, Chris. We got uh, <laughs> chips, dips, chains, whips, sex, drugs, rock and roll. You know, it's a typical teenage and, party. Uh, yeah, and Anthony Michael Hall doing a bad black scent. It's wonderful. Oh, my. Ooh. But it was. It happened. Don't pretend it didn't. Just because John Hughes wrote it, <laughs> and a, and a great Oingo Boingo song. Mm, it's good mm. Oingo but yes, yeah, speaking of songs, the other thing that to come out of the Witcher Netflix series is that song that is a, mm. it is an earworm that uh, it's been everywhere. A lot of memes around that toss a coin to your Witcher song, uh, as performed by I think I guess it's, it's Dandelion is the character. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the Bard character, we'll just mm-hmm. say. Uh, and then I sent you guys a link. There's an awesome metal version of that song. It's, uh, I'm, the, the, I, good. I left it on autoplay. There's like 20 awesome yes, metal versions are. of that song. Already. <laughs> yeah, so The Witcher Show, uh, it's good. Check it out. Check it out. And that's it for the Hollywood segment. Mm. Moving on to regular old game news. Uh, Respawn boss Vince Zampella is now also going to take over as head of Dice LA, the, the LA arm of... Dice, which uh, normally I think they're out of Stockholm. Mm-hmm. Um, these are, of course, the the studio behind Battlefield. Uh, you know, Zampella himself. You, if he sounds familiar, that's because he heads up Respawn, who does games like Apex Legends. The most recently, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Did I get the order right of all those yep. words? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, sure. Uh, and and the Titanfall games. Uh, formerly of, he's one of the the co heads of Infinity Ward. So uh, he is now the head of Dice LA, but the exciting news, that's not so exciting, that's a businessy thing. Dice LA has mostly been a support studio for their Stockholm, Sweden uh, office, but now they're working on an original, all new original game. And so the dude behind Respawn is heading up a new original game, that is very good news. Who knows what that could be, but I'm excited. Yeah, Respawn does good shit, man. Hell yeah, they yeah. do. Apex Legend alone should should get some... like. It, I don't play that game still, but that was like one of the best out of the blue games I've ever played in my life. I guess we didn't really talk about it, but they were responsible for two of the best games of last year. If you think oh, Apex yeah. Legends and Star oh, Wars, yeah, yeah, yeah. like Respawn's putting out good shit. So here's something I know you guys will get excited about. Who knows if it's true, but the rumors are out there again that a new Switch model might be on the way this year. Uh, and so analyst Sirkan Toto, I'll say just say Toto. He got the reins down in Africa. Uh, he's the CEO of game industry consultancy, Kantan Games. He predicts, he, he's the guy that predicted the Switch Lite would be a thing. Um, but he thinks there's a new Switch version on the way. It's going to support 4K, have bigger cartridge sizes, beefed up components, potential release taking place after the summer. And he's thinking it could cost $400. Hmm. Well, I, I'm going to say I would be... Very surprised if Nintendo did that this year. Like, I, I'm not going to rule out that they will do it, but I think Nintendo's hardware upgrade cycle is generally two years, like we saw mm. with the DS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, and they just put out not only the Switch Lite, but a Switch with better battery life. Yeah. Last year, which, by the way, I played that on the the trip home, and in six hours on a plane, it did not run out of battery. Oh, you you upgraded yeah. your Switch yes, to the new one? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. No, actually, yeah. you're you are agreeing with. There was another analyst, and he cited the exact reasons you did. He said, "Well, no, they already released the revision of mm-hmm. of, of the Switch last year, so probably not." Yeah, I, I I think I tend to agree with you. It's like, Nintendo's off doing their own thing. For some reason, a lot of analysts keep feeling like they need to try to play catch-up with the hardware and, and have a more powerful mm-hmm. system. And I'm like, that's that's not what Nintendo's about, dude. Like, I don't yeah. see them needing to do that anytime soon. Yeah, it's, just, it, it's about the experiences that Nintendo already has. Like, 
Would it be great if I could play Pokemon and go into the wild areas and not it, have it not slow down? No. But I also can't get that that whole experience of playing Pokemon on a PlayStation system, right? Like it's, I don't know. It's it's such a weird it's a weird gambit of asking Nintendo to not be Nintendo. <laughs> if that makes any sense, I, I'm totally with you on that. Like, uh, I, I can only see it if if Nintendo does this. They have no first party support coming the next two years. <laughs> That's the only thing you could get from it. So, as a guy on the side on the businessy side, where I've had to have discussions about. Can we bring games to the Switch? Because it, it is the Switch is less powerful than the current generation consoles, Xbox One and PS4, right? Mm-hmm. When you talk about next year, the it's going to be even less powerful than those new systems. Now, all of a sudden, that discussion gets even harder because it's like, okay, we want... There's a lot of people that own Switches. We want them to play a game. Mm-hmm. But when the power disparity is that great between the Switch and this new generation of consoles, it's like basically like... Anything you bring to the Switch sort of has to be developed off on its own at that point. It kind of makes it harder mm. to do multi-platform games that are also on Switch. So I, I, that's the only reason I would say, well, yeah, eventually I think Nintendo does have to consider that because it makes it really hard to develop for all three platforms. Eventually, I, th- I think, but not this year. And I would, uh, judging by what I know about Nintendo, I would say that it's more likely... I, I don't even know that they'd put it out next year. I think they would let the the new consoles kind of come out, make their splash, have some breathing room. And then, after they've had a year or two in the market, Nintendo will come out with something new. Mm-hmm. But I think also Nintendo has long enjoyed a position as, uh, you know, the 800-pound gorilla, regardless of what its hardware is like. And I, I we, we may end up seeing like a, a 3DS kind of situation if the other consoles move too far past the Switch's capabilities. But I think publishers are still going to want to put their games on Switch. Uh, that's still a, a huge moneymaker. And, uh, you know, it's 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 a console that's very popular with families and children. And yeah. uh, I think I think there's definitely an incentive there for, for publishers to kind of scale their games down for Switch a little bit. Yeah, I, I guess... I guess what I could foresee happening is you'll get fewer of these like current gen games that are ported to Switch. It'll mm-hmm. they, they'll have to be it'll be more like the DS thing where you have these distinct Switch experiences and yeah. games just because it's going to be so hard to kind of bring them down at the current. We, we all know how that worked with the previous console. Well, that's the thing too is Nintendo. You know, in the recent generations, they don't make their money off third party games right it's they, primarily it's like the, the biggest selling games on nintendo platforms are first party nintendo games uh, i think that would have been the case till the downloadable nindies and then even that doesn't justify a new hardware yeah because yeah those developers aren't they're not out here doing the triple a experiences that are going to take advantage of like super the new super powerful hardware stuff anyway they're making shit with sassy geese <laughs> That asshole goose, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'll say I, I would love to be proven wrong on this. It'd be neat if yeah, Nintendo yeah, came out with real new hardware. I just don't think they will do it this year. Yeah. You know, speaking of that asshole sassy goose, the IGF award nominations are out. Uh, and this year's finalists, so they, that's the Independent Games Foundation, IGF? Yeah. Uh, the, the finalists include Untitled Goose Game, as well as Hi. Eliza, A Short Hike, uh, mutazione. Mutazione. Okay, mutazione. Thank you, Italian. I didn't know it was Italian. Uh, Slay the Spire and Anodyne Two. Uh, and then their honorable mentions on their list. So those were all their Game of the Year nominees. Honorable mentions included one of our favorites, Katana Zero, 
uh, Lonely Mountains, Downhill, Song of Bloom, White Ocean, Big Jacket, Elsinore, and Heaven's Vault. These are so many independent games I've never even heard of, and it just gets me super excited because I love mm-hmm. indie games. And these are all games now that I have to check out. Yeah, and iTunes really good. And iTunes is and iTunes is really really good. Like you guys have a to play I, it. I I haven't really played much of it. I but it's it's a game that like all the weirdos on Twitter that I follow love, mm. and it it seems to be very Zelda inspired, but but surreal. Yeah, okay. and with like like uh, low poly count graphics. Is it low poly like PS One style? Is it yes. one of the? Oh, okay, that's where I've heard that name before. Of like people, yeah, talking about like, well, now developers are going back to PS One stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of award nominations, the Game Developers Choice Award nominees are out, uh, and Death Stranding is leading the nominees with seven nominations. Outer Wilds and Control both had five. Um, but in terms of Game of the Year, here are their nominees, which I think these get awarded during GDC in March. So this is this is the awards that like developers themselves are choosing their peers. Sure. So we got Death Stranding, mm-hmm. uh, Control, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, Untitled Goose Game again yeah. is on that list, and Outer Wilds, a good field of games. I love I love to see the Goose Game and, and Outer Wilds hanging with the big boys in, in this category. And that is all the news, Michael, that is fit to play in the year of our Lord 2020. Oh, Real man. quick, before we, go to, before we go to question stuff, yes, I, I want to ask, because I haven't got a chance to touch it. Okay. Should I get control? And here's why I say that. I have a PS3. I have a base PS3 at that. And I heard it's not... PS4? It's not, I mean, PS4. Yes, I have a base PS4, I have a base PS4 at that. <laughs> and I, I've heard it's not... It doesn't run great on PS4. Now, I played it on PS4. It's fine. Don't don't believe everything you hear. Those, those are... Okay. Those are People who are used to running stuff on Xbox. I'm sure it's also been patched to hell and back by now. So I'm not saying it's not going to make your PS4 sound like it's about to explode or that it's running based, you know, with a turbine of a jet engine. Mm. But it, the game runs fine on PS4. Don't don't believe everything you hear. Okay, I just I really wanted to get my hands on it because I've heard that's one of the great things about this ga- about game of the year is like everyone's talking about like oh control just fucking rules and I'm just like. I want to play that. Like, I want to enjoy all of that. Like, it's between Control and then Disco Elysium, mm. which I wish I could play run on my on my uh, laptop, but I can't. So I'm waiting very, very patiently. Games. Yeah, yeah. This, but this I'm is where for... you see me do the why not both? Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, I'm waiting close. for I'm waiting for Disco Elysium to come to PlayStation Four, which was this year, ah. uh, and I can't wait. But yeah, it's just those two games are like I came from the whole Game of the Year conversation. Across the board, where it's like I need to get my hands on those two games. And to be fair, Matt, you were telling me about Disco Elysium last year. You're like, you need to play this. Yeah, I played mm. it at PAX. Um, I, speaking... I am close to the end of it. I love it, but it is such a weird game, and it's it's one of those things that's like it was considered for our games of the year list, but at the same time, like I feel like gameplay wise, it's 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 like a point and clicker with conversation trees and dice rolls to determine you know certain skill checks but in terms of narrative it's like one of the best written games of the last game's all about the writing yeah uh speaking of games all about the writing last kind of bit of quasi news um if you have not been following the saga of kentucky route zero or have not been able to play it because it's Mm -hmm. been locked on steam um they're bringing it to console with the tv version and they're releasing the final episode so that that, is that Ten years in the making, Kentucky Route Zero, Michael. It's it's been a while. Wait, there's almost, a TV version. Almost. Yeah, they're 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 coming out with a console version. 
Oh, they, they're calling the TV version. It's, oh, that's yeah. weird. I, I thought you meant that it's it's like gonna have a TV show. No, 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 no. It's, it's coming. Fu- console port. I, console port. I fucking gonna... love that game. I yeah. fucking love that. Game. So they're 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 finishing it up with the final episode is coming out, and then they're they're doing console versions as well. So. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to the community segment, which, as always, is segmenting, segmenting our community. Our community. Uh, last week's <laughs> question of the week, as you might remember, not last week's, because last year's question of the week, we've uh, we we were out last week, and so the and we repeated the question for a couple weeks. So you've all had plenty of time to answer this. I don't want to hear any complaints from anybody who says we missed the boat. Uh, what was your personal game of the year for 2019? Uh, Trev, I think we got your answer. Yes. What, what was it? Outer Worlds? I forget. It was the anime no, game. It was yeah. um uh, yeah. It was <laughs> Fire Emblem. It was Fire Emblem Three Houses. But right. I, yes. So, yes. Okay. So Michael. I but I want to use this platform that oh. you just given me. Oh no. Uh oh. To to boost the game up that was not on anyone's game of the year list last year. Code Vein. And I, and I think it deserved. <laughs> I think it deserved. Uh, I think it deserved recognition. MLB The Show 2019. Hell okay. Yeah. Here it is. Reach! Base- <laughs> <laughs> Baseball games are fun. and But sure. they're, they're sports games. Sports games don't innovate everything. But in a year where Madden was bad, NBA 2K is okay but not great. And that travesty that is WWE 2K games. I have to give props to MLB The Show being the only baseball game, basically being Monopoly, but realizing they had to change how their games played and change how the loot, like how the how the progression went, and made a far better game. That if you want to play casually, you can. If you want to play it uh, competitively, you can. If you want to use that weird loot box system in sports games, like they've been doing, you can. It's such a great game. It is by far the best sports game of the last five years. It will be the show 2019. So great, and I, I I just had to say it. And now it's coming to multiple platforms. Yes, it's a really good. It's a it's really good. good game. It's good. We were talking about it in last year during our midway halfway through the year games of the year show. So yeah, yeah. to to, to, to I think I speak for everybody when I say. No! Why are you booing me? I'm right. I said goal. <laughs> no, speak goal. for me. It's good, man. It's good. <laughs> Here's the thing, guys. I know you're like, oh, sports, I'm allergic to sports. I'm I am allergic to sports. I'm breaking out in hives right now. We're talking about a sports Please hurry vi- this along. Sports video game, fucking nerds. You can play a video game, can't you? No! We're talking, about, we're talking about baseball, the nerdiest sport of them all. Michael, I've never driven a car at 200 miles per hour except in video games. Matt, hives. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Is that a video? But yeah, my, my, my game of the year, Fire Emblem, but... Much love to the people Great. over at 989 Sports. TL's heart goes out to the jock simulator. <laughs> it's a good baseball game. It's, it's a hard. great baseball hard. game. Yeah. Well, uh, first answer on VigiGameApocalypse.com was Triskitable, who says Resident Evil 2 handily. It was either that or Devil May Cry 5. And given how I've replayed both at least three times each by now, holy shit, dude. Good man. It was difficult to make a decision. However, given RE Make 2 has Clever. continued a series that I've loved for decades, while DMC5 was more of a stepping stone into a franchise I'd previously had no interest in, Remake 2 wins on pure nostalgia points. And frankly, I'm ecstatic that we're getting Remake 3 less than a year later. Yep. 
And Remake yeah. 3 has that cool asymmetrical multiplayer mode packaged mm. in that I'm excited yeah. about. Mm. I I really wish I loved DMC5 more. Mm. I really didn't care mm. for it. Mm. Uh, but I didn't like V. That was that was the thing. It's like I had two characters I enjoyed, and then I liked V. v. Mm. Well, here's a game I know, TL, you would like. So, at Fit on Twitter says, My personal game of the year is Dragon Quest XI-S Shadows of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition. Whew! Yeah, he's that's his who, not my who. Everybody likes the remakes this year. <laughs> I love a good old-school JRPG on a handheld, and this allowed me to play a huge, beautiful PS4 level one of those in bed or watching Simpsons reruns. Hashtag bliss! Would it surprise you I've never played any of Dragon Quest Eleven, even though I've been told I should multiple times? That would surprise me, actually. Yeah. Talk about the yeah. anime game. That is the... It is. I mean, I mean, it's literally art designed by Kira it's Toriyama. Toriyama. Yeah, it's Toriyama. It's pretty good. And uh, on Facebook, Orlando Anaya says, Between work and raising children, I didn't have a lot of time to play games this year. So I really haven't played anything that wasn't on Game Pass. However, one game did get its hooks into me this year, and that is World War Z. It's basically Left for Dead with Payday 2, and those were two games I put countless hours into back in the day. I honestly thought the days of me enjoying online multiplayer games were behind me, but it's a great way to decompress after a long shift, and it's easy enough to jump in and out of games if I need to take care of my kids. A lot of people like that World War Z game, man. It was unexpectedly good, honestly, and it had great swarming mechanics. I feel like that's something that we should have talked up more, is that 2019 was the, the year, year of the swarming swarm. mechanics. It's true. Yep. And it, it's there's another game based on an older movie that also came to Game Pass that you liked. It's like that and Blair Witch. Like they're, uh, they're both Blair, these like, games based uh, on... Ah, old... the French Blair Witch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I loved... I, I actually really enjoyed the Blair Witch game. Uh, as as kind of cheesy as it was, uh, and I recommend it. Uh, especially if you like dogs. Uh, must love dogs. Mike. Must love dogs, because you got one most of the time, helping you navigate through danger. Uh, and finally, we have a video response from Redrock963 and her cat. Hey, VGA, it is Redrock963, just chilling with my buddy Murray on this New Year's Eve. And talking about my He's personal game of the year, it was really hard to pick from between Kingdom Hearts 3 and Pokemon Sword and Shield. Um, the Link's Awakening remake was really good. Just all kinds of good games came out this year. But ultimately, my pick has to be Fire Emblem Three Houses. Yes! It's technically my first, my first time playing through a console Fire Emblem game, and it delivered in spades. I loved running around the monastery talking to everybody. I loved the tea parties. I loved kind of looking forward to each day, seeing what kind of event was going to turn up. And I like the fact that it's technically four games in one because, you know, there's four different paths to go through and the story changes vastly depending on which path you take. I've only finished uh, the, I want to say the Eagle Path, and I need to yes! finish the paths. But, um, no, I'm sorry, it was the Blue Lions path. That I yes! <laughs> yeah, I love that game. I'm hoping it opens the door to more Fire Emblem on the Switch. And I'm looking forward to games in the new decade. And I'm also looking forward to hearing more from you guys in the next decade. If, yeah. the, if the podcast lasts that long. Otherwise, have a happy new year. And we shall see you in 2020. Hell yeah. Hell Thank yeah. you. 
All right, so TL, I got to give you a little bit of credit here. You were on my ass, our ass, our collective asses, mm-hmm. if you will. No, yeah. Our collective singular ass it's that one we share. Big, it's like the inside of asses. We're just a singular blob of asses. Uh-huh. Like it's, out of in, yeah. It's the a game out, reference. Out okay. Right, yeah. Anyway. Um, I thought you meant like the inside of our asses. And I was like, that, that's gross. Having said that out loud, <laughs> I can see how you would believe that. Anyway, uh, yeah, TL was riding us for, for not including Fire Emblem Three Houses on our Game of the Year list. Tough. Having played a shit ton of that game over the break, I can say it's very, very good. Mm-hmm. But uh-huh. I still stand behind the fact it was not included on our list. It it doesn't do much to progress that genre, but it is a fucking perfect version of one of those. It's a really good Fire Emblem game. I want to give it its due, TL. You were right. It's an excellent game. Didn't make our top ten, but a very no, no, good game. I, no, I, okay, again, I understand. Look. My top ten is different than everybody else's top ten. Uh, but I'm a giant weeb, like, asshole. And also, Kingdom Hearts was my top ten. And I actively hate that game. But, um, I don't know. Fire Emblem, it was just so good. And then, what I tell people all the time is, just get to the time skip. I, I understand the school stuff might not be for everybody. But once you get to the time skip, that game goes places. It's like, me and Matt, we had conversations. About, Matt's, Matt did Blue Lion. And I, I originally did Black Evil. And when we like talked about like the the like the divergent pass in there, like I said, Matt, I was like, "Oh, this character is gone." It's like, "What do you like?" Spoilers, dude. It's like, no, I think yours is different. But yeah. it, it literally just says up front, "Oh yeah, this guy just dies." And I was like, "This game, it's it's so good." Again, it's what Fates wished it was, and it doesn't cost as much as Fates did. I, I do have a hot tip: if you're gonna play this game. Even if you haven't played one of these games before, choose hard difficulty. Yes. They fucked up the difficulty settings. Normal is babby mode. It's super easy on yeah, this game. unless you want to feel like a god. You do feel ultra powerful and like a god. Mm-hmm. But I yeah. definitely, when I finish this campaign, I'm going to go in my new game plus, I'm going at least hard. I'm probably going hard with the permadeath. But do yourself that favor. Don't Don't choose normal. It's a little too cruise control and easy at that point. Choose hard because... Because I'm talking to a guy at work who he is like super min-maxer and he's like breaking down all these systems. I'm like, dude, I'll be honest. That sounds awesome. When you play on normal, you don't need to be exposed to any of those systems because it's it's so easy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's it, it, but, but play on hard. Anyway, good game. Enough about that shit. Thank you, uh, Red Rock. Happy yeah. New Year. Uh, so new- Whatever. What was that? <laughs> Why is fucking sound? It just board? sounds like feedback. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> bam, bam, bam. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, exactly. Is it, does it say whatever? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, All right. Jesus. <laughs> All right. Put a tent on that circus. <laughs> All right. Uh, new question of the week. What game are you most looking forward to in 2020? Uh, we, we would normally devote these uh, these first episode of the year shows to like the games that we anticipate most but those those shows didn't fall immediately after the end of a decade uh so obviously we're switching it up a bit but what are you looking forward to this year i know for my part like i'm super excited for new consoles i really want to spend money on new hardware and wait several months for the really good games to come out um but i'm also looking forward to like ghosts of tsushima and uh, the next Ori in the... I, I forget what the, the Wisp, sequel to Ori... Will of the Wisps. Will of the Wisps, thank you. Uh, but what's what every, what's everyone else looking forward to? All right. So, so the game I should be looking most forward to and it, it, is Cyberpunk. Hmm. 
The only game I've pre-ordered so far this year is Animal Crossing. So. Animal Crossing! <laughs> so, so take that for what you will. Um, so Cyberpunk and Animal Crossing is my answer. Uh, those, they're the same game. They're the same game. Now, we just we just spent, what, 20 minutes talking about Stardew? Of course I'm looking forward to mm-hmm. Animal Crossing. Of course that would be on yeah. my list. I, I should say Animal Crossing New Leaf was a close contender. It was a very good game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll go ahead and go. So, uh, I, I again, like Matt, I want to say Cyberpunk. I'm really looking forward to that. But I am... Looking forward is a strong word. Waiting to see how I react when strong I play our two, our two games. Um... I'm waiting to see see how I react when I play it. When I play Kingdom Hearts Remind, because it's the, the actual <laughs> conclusion to Kingdom Hearts, and I will be tortured forever. Thank you, Tetsuya Nomura. And then also Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, because I love to see the story of Dragon Ball Z for the 20 million time, but this time yeah. in RPG form. That's not like next week, isn't it? Is it? Think yeah, so. it's really I, soon. Is it Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, or I thought it was just Dragon Ball Kakarot because he still has his tail? Um, well, in Dragon Ball Z, he still has his tail. Well, no, he doesn't have his tail. No, they You're take right. His tail off. Because see, when he was with uh, when he was with uh, Kami training I, for the I last didn't, to I didn't him. ask for an explanation. <laughs> he, he <took laughs> Let off me clarify. Tail. Let me clarify. <laughs> I can do this all day. I'm I know. With this. I know. <laughs> we host a show together, by the way, folks, and I, you're missing I, out I, if you're I, not listening to that. I'm with you guys. I'm looking forward to uh, uh, Cyberpunk 2077, uh, uh, DBZ Crackpot, just like uh, <laughs> just like TL, and and, and and more than anything, like the uh, we we live in a world where we'll, we'll get new consoles. So the new experience those things will bring, I don't know what those are going to be, but that is what I'm most looking forward to. But if I had to say something specific that I'm looking forward to the most in 2020. It would be impeachment. <laughs> can we speed run that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> can we get? Can we? Can we Twitch play that, please? Like instead of letting Mitch McConnell vote. AGDQ. Come on, guys, step up. <laughs> Come on, guys. I feel like it's a rubber band AI. The goalposts keep moving. Man. <laughs> yeah. He, he executed the Iran code and got to fucking uh, got extra lives. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, I said it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get VGA's getting fucking political, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We're three hours in. If you're still listening to us, <laughs> you must I want to go us. to bed. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Happy New Year. Tired. So, what is your most anticipated game of 2020? Let us know. Go to VigiGameApocalypse.com. Answer under the comments for episode 349, or hit us up on the official. Laser Time community on Facebook. There'll be a thread there where you can answer, or just ping us on Twitter at VG Apocalypse, and we will collect your answers and read the best ones on next week's show. Uh, anyway, that's been our show. Let's go out with some plugs. TL, uh, remind the people where they can hear you. Uh, you can hear me on PNB, uh, PNB Cast, Patreon.com slash PNB, but I would like to plug uh, one of my co hosts, uh, Kayla. Has come out with the book. Uh, her book is available for pre-order. No shit. And sale. So yeah, if you if you look up, um, I think her website is Kayla Neal. I forgot, and I'm a bad friend. But yeah, she's she has started writing romantic fiction, and she finished her first novel. She's finishing her first novel, and it will be coming out soon. So hmm. that's my plug. How do you spell that? A girl, Casey. Uh, Kayla Neal. So it's uh, Neal is N E N E E L. Okay, and K A Y L A. Yes. 
Yes. Oh, am I plugging now? Yes. Uh, laser time this week. Michael was on it. We're talking about the best movies of 2019 after talking about the movies of the decade. Hmm. Um, which I'm, I'm sort of shocked how our list shook out, but you should definitely check out that episode if you want to hear people arguing over movies until their feelings are hurt. Uh, <laughs> this time, it, it, it didn't work like that because 2019 is a much smaller poll, mm. and I know TL is with me when I say Dolomite is my name belongs in the movies of the decade list. It really does. Well, Chris, can I, can I get your back real quick? Fucking so does John Wick. Uh, before we started recording, I was, I was giving Diana an earful. I said, hey, you know how, like, every movie tried to be born after those movies came out? Like, every action movie now tries to be John Wick, and that means it's important. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's going to be influential in how, mo- like, not just how movies look, but how they're going to be paced from here on out. Yeah. Because th- those are, like, like kind of empty movies that fill, fill in the void with everything else. Uh, it, it's an interesting way to tell a story. I love the John Wick movies. I thought they deserved a shout-out for the decade. I really did. You, you got my vote, dude. Thank you, buddy. And uh, 302010 this week, um, we're talking about, Jesus, The Simpsons, uh, the 20th the 20th anniversary and the first episode in the same week. Oh, shit. How about that? Uh, Peter Jackson's first movie uh, that will not inspire cosplay. Can you guess what it is? Didn't listen. And, of course, it's January, which means one thing for wrestling fans, the oh. Royal Rumble, uh, which, of course, means that... My co-host, T.L. Foster, and I will be covering the Rumble on Cheap Podcast, the Laser Time Network's unprofessional podcast about professional wrestling. We will be doing a preview show later this month available exclusively to Patreon members at patreon.com slash laser time at the $5 or more level per month. Uh, we'll do the preview show, and then after the event, of course, we'll do a free, a completely free review show. Uh, in addition to that... Of course, on the preview show, we'll be doing our all-new segment, which is 302010 Wrestling Edition. So we're going to be looking, taking a look at the Royal Rumble 30, 20, and 10 years ago and what was happening in the world of professional wrestling at that time. So if you do want to hear our preview, hear that, you got to head on over to patreon.com slash laser time, then head on over to the Twitter and follow us at Cheap Podcast. Follow me at Maddie C. Allen if you want. Whatevs. Oh, and I forgot it. Uh, uh, both these lads are the, uh, oh, goodness, uh, the uh, 302010 Games Edition for November and December. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. We have the a super giant blow-it episode, super-sized episode about uh, all the games that came out. We're talking about the last of the 80s here, people, and it's it's not as unimportant as you'd think it would be. Hmm. The party's over. The 80s are over. Yeah. Man. It's sad. It's my favorite decade, and yet, as I was listening to Kavinsky's Night Call the other day while walking around on lunch break, I just realized, you know, the only good thing to come out of the 80s is nostalgia for the 80s. (laughs) I feel like the stuff that's been produced out of 80s nostalgia is much better than anything made in the 80s And National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Eh. Sounds sounds like someone hasn't seen Gremlins in a while. I, I maintain that people actually like the years 1990 and 91 and conflate mm-hmm. that with the 80s. Absolutely. That's what do. I mm-hmm. think. Hell yeah, yeah they do. <laughs> well, those, those, dec- those years were basically part of the 80s, so who cares? Yeah. Uh, anyway, as always, uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at VG Apocalypse or visit us online at VigiGameApocalypse.com. And uh, while you're on Twitter, why not hit up me personally at Wikiparas? Michael, tell people to leave a comment, because you can do that now. Yeah, you can leave a comment. It's finally fixed. Thank God. 
No more, no more spam bots ruining our site for a while. But where will I get UGG boots? <laughs> where, indeed. Best Russia UGG boot. <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Uh, by the way, TL, I happen to know, is a Jimmy Buffett defender. I'm a huge parrot head. What the fuck? You fucking <laughs> race traitor. <laughs> no, no, that's the what, it's the worst thing white people have ever done is Jimmy Buffett. You should, you, like, I would have. Michael, I bring you, you doing? the secret sound. <laughs> what are you doing, TL? We need you here in the fight against Jimmy Buffett. What I are you love doing? Jimmy Buffett. How We're on Team Buffett, buddy. You're going how head to head you, against us. How could you hate somebody whose literal his whole discography is, yo, let's just get drunk. Let's just get drunk and have fun. <laughs> like, how yeah. could you hate that? Because he has no fucking problems from the beginning of his songs, like Miami. Like, he like has lots. Of, he blew out his flip flop. He stepped on right. a pop top. He blew out his flip flop. Ah, oh, my hammock is asymmetrical. Like, does anybody <laughs> want a fucking ninety dollar drink while they're at it? Like, fuck that guy. Hey, he look, ruined every one of odd, our beaches. The only reason we have airports in every fucking beach in Florida is because of Jimmy Buffett. I fucking hate that dude.